Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. I'm a fan of classic movies. Hello and welcome to Overlapping Dialogue, a podcast of audio commentaries dedicated to discussing cinema that fascinates us in a way we hope fascinates you. We're your co-hosts, Kyle and Levi Huffman. I'm Kyle. I'm Levi. And here we are for episode, ever, episode, episode, minimum, phantom, minus, some at, episode 59. Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> place me on the pod. Yeah, the place me on the pod. See, this is what happens when you uh, teach uh, teenagers again for a week, you know. Yeah. Work, yeah. I know, I'm sure I'm speaking for both Levi and I when I say, very tired right now. Uh, again, I had a first great week of school. But just a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it's Labor Day weekend, and somehow it's still busy. Exactly. Right. So this is going to be kind of a shorter podcast, yeah, uh, likely, but for a longer, a longer ish yeah. right. movie. So I mean, yeah, the movie, movie itself is going to be longer. Yeah. The place beyond the pines from 2013, basically. Yeah, I think it <laughs> yeah. played a, some festivals in 2012, but 2013. Who cares? Directed by Derek C. in France, starring, of course, Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, um, Eva Mendez, among others. We're obviously going to get in this movie later. I know for me, this movie is kind of, to me, like the default setting for any time I hear the term flawed masterpiece. This is like one of the first movies I think of with that designation. Um, Because there's a lot of greatness in this movie, and sometimes there's some things that don't exactly work. But by the end, even its biggest critics, which we read some of, respected the ambition of it. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later, but... I'll just say, eh, it's just a masterpiece. Yeah, there's some flaws, but who cares? Like, And I want to talk about that more when we get to the critics portion of when we're talking about what they said about it. That it's just like a lot of hand-wringing going on about, like, why can you not just accept what this is? I don't really get Well, it, but, and also, too, yeah. I mean, and this is true of this, sometimes flawed masterpieces are far more interesting and live in your mind more so than even a, quote, more, uh, I won't say a perfect masterpiece, but, uh, like, something that's like, oh, this yeah. is a masterpiece, and... It's kind of great in every way. Sometimes that like completeness doesn't dwell in your head as much as sometimes yeah. a movie that maybe has some slight complications about it, but still has these really truly transformational great things about it. Like I think this movie does. Yeah. But before we get to the place beyond the pines, we gotta. You know what time it is. Mm-mm-mm. You know what time it is. <laughs> we just gotta get into. That blue plate special. Hi, Audrey. Norma. Have a cup of coffee, please? Sure. I'll have what she's had.
chocolate starfish. Yeah, I was going to say, and we are rolling, rolling, rolling down the buffet line. Like, you know. Um, uh, there was a... the um, Speaking of speaking of trash, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, well, there's that, there's that new movie well, that's being... Well, let's talk good about it. No, like, not yeah, that, no, but there's yeah. that new movie that's getting made that um, Fred Durst is going to have some yeah, role so in. It's, what is uh, it? What's it called The again? lady that directed We're All Going to the World's Fair. Yeah, um, we're all going to the Limp Biscuit concert. I think it's something like here. Uh, I think she goes by she or they, uh, so, which is a movie. It's on HBO Max. I think it just got put on there. I'd like to try to watch that soon. But yeah, there's going to be some movie that has like Fred Durst, uh, Lindsay Jordan of Snail Mail, Phoebe Bridgers, a bunch of random musicians in. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Uh, the director. The director. Uh, Jane. Yeah, Jane Showburn. Showburn. Sean Burn. I don't know. Mm, anyway, yeah, uh, which is a movie we've been, I've been wanting to see. I saw for a the TV while. Glow, which yeah. is called, actually, or the synopsis, I should say. It sounds interesting. It's already in post production. Yeah. It says follows two, teenage, to, uh, follows two teenagers who bond over their shared love of a scary television show, but the show gets mysteriously canceled. Connor O'Malley, yeah. by the way, is in this movie. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> filmmaker is really into the whole you know very like millennial generation y era uh you know horror creepy pasta whatever you want to call it idea of like the internet and uh-huh. uh which is interesting because i'm not inherently that fascinated by that i guess but i think it's an, an important thing that needs to be film now i think it needs to be in movies now to be talked by about the way more, like but. the whole cast is here and again a lot of these people don't even have like character names but there is one actor named will fitz who specifically is credited as a laser tag player so there yeah. will be laser tag well, in the movie well there'd extent. have to be if you look at the way their movies look we didn't even really intend on talking about this movie at all mm-hmm. but and again rolling rolling you yeah. know we again his uh his memory lives on even as he lives chocolate starfish Keep on rolling, baby. I mean, one day we need to do like just a bonus pod where we literally do just live commentary of some of the Limp Biscuit videos because yeah. they're something else. Speaking of something else, ET the Extraterrestrial. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you may have heard of this movie. It came out in 1982. We actually, you know, of course, were film nerds of a certain age. Of course, we were not yeah. around in the 80s, but we grew up. Of course, loving the work of Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. so we saw this movie. Um, did yeah, you, I, what, what are your impressions well, of growing up watching? Well, this movie? I saw the version that was the DVD, um, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, the version that Spielberg did, the that special was edition, like special almost, edition, yeah. Which as, and we were talking about, he has since like pulled that. It's actually kind of out of print, other than the DVD. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still have that DVD? Yeah, by the somewhere. Way, somewhere. Yeah, not that it matters, but it would just be kind of worth something to have still. Um, it's a movie I actually liked. Uh, I feel like a random amount when I was younger, and then I kind of got into that like middle age, teenage middle my middle age years. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well teenage but, years, yeah, yeah, that kind of middle period. And I actually saw Close Encounters. Yes. Um, and it's weird because it wasn't like oh I'm not into things that are sentimental. It's more like oh um. It's more adult. It, yeah. Uh, well, is. yeah, but yeah, and I, I don't know. I just found it to be more interesting, and I like that a little more for a while. And I still overall prefer that. But the last so many years, ET has I've fallen back in love with it. Not that I ever didn't kind of yeah, not sure. like it. I just kind of didn't watch it for a long time and didn't care as much about it. But no, I mean it. it it's actually kind of insane rewatching it. 
how just immediately iconic a movie like that was and how it still is. Um, and I kind of forgot that about it in certain ways and just certain images, just even like pretty, you know, unceremonious images in the movie, like when he goes out to go... Uh, I don't remember what he's doing. He goes out, out back, take the trash out, and that's where ET's in the in the back shed. The shed yeah. And just the image of the backyard and the shed on the right, and him on the left, and the moon and yeah. the and the kind of fields behind there, and just how like even a moment like that is such an iconic image that just exists in the mind of the culture. Um, and just kind of seeing that on the big screen really was something. Yeah, well, I kind of buried the yeah. lead here with this. We saw yeah. a 40th anniversary yeah. re-release they had at the AMC in Hickory. Again, I had saw I had I've grown up watching this movie a lot. I saw the, I think the first time I ever saw it might have been the O2 re-release, which was that special edition version, right. which was I don't think was as heavily edited. I don't believe as like the Star Wars special editions were, right. but still had new shots in it and some different things. I've uh, I never now I've done what you said about other movies here or there. I never exactly did that with E. T. Yeah. There probably was just more so years of neglect more so than anything yeah. where I just didn't really think about it or care about it. Yeah. And, and I, I went should, on to watch yeah. other Spielberg movies I liked a little better at the time before over the last probably six to seven years I myself really has have deeply fallen back in love with the movie. Yeah, I should say that the, there was a time where it wasn't exactly even neglect for me. It was even moderate. Well, you know, I was kind of that way about it. I shouldn't say that I wasn't. Um, but it was also because I was like, oh, well, look at uh, Close Encounters. Nobody talks about that, you know. And Close and Encounters was a movie that for many do, years, I've talked about this a while back, I think, on here, was a movie that I saw and was like, yeah, this is good. I don't exactly get it. And honestly... You know, you can watch things at home and still they get they're gray and they come across to you. But it was about five years ago, and it was the fortieth anniversary yeah. of that. It was five years ago this this weekend. Yeah, re-release yeah, weekend, and we saw it on the Dolby screen, and that literally was probably a handful of my favorite film going experience I've ever had. Kind of one of those. I don't know if "changed my life" is exactly the word, but it was one of those. Oh my god, I finally really grasped this movie in a way that I didn't in the uh -huh. past and made me reappreciate and made me go, I was wrong to never think this was anything less yeah. than amazing. And it was never, I always liked it, but anyways. And so, you know, a movie like E.T. is so, has been seen on home video so many times, I still think it has a special power to see it on the big screen. Yeah, This might be a big statement to say, I think E.T. might very well be the best lit movie ever. I mean, the lighting be. in that yeah. movie is just so specific, so extraordinary. And another thing is, too, that, like, the movie is, like, when you're caught up in it, you sometimes don't really necessarily take in some of the visual absurdity of what's going on yeah. at times. There's two moments that always really stick out to me. The first is not as absurd as the second, but towards the beginning of the movie where Elliot thinks he's seen something, and he's, like, putting uh, dishes into, like, the sink... Yeah. And, like, he's looking outside up, and the camera's on the outside of the yeah. window. And there's, like, all this steam or yeah. fog that kind of, like, it, that presumably Jesus is coming from the, the hot, heat of the, the, yeah, the, the evaporation of the heat. Yeah. But it's just, like, it's kind of more, of course, than would really right. yeah. be there. And it's a very arresting image. Another of which is when finally the government's really coming into their home and they're opening the doors and, like, 
People in spacesuits are just walking yeah, through the home. Yeah, because it's not it's even, very, like, yeah, it's strange. It's strange. not hazmat suits, and it's not, like, even those, like, uh, almost, like, police riot gear suits that they've got on later. It's, like, it's, uh, yeah, that's a moment that I I don't think it about that. It you off guard. But it's, like, like, wait, so, like, it's weird because it's, like, okay, that's literally right when the mother realizes that E.T. exists or yeah. whatever. Which, by the way, she's, like, oh, that's great. Yeah. When she first sees it because she's, like, sh- in shock, you yeah. know. She's, like, oh, look at that. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, kind of yeah. attitude. But, um, but, yeah, when they're coming in and it's, like, what so literally like spacemen are invading well it's, it's almost like, like yeah it's it, like there's a visual irony to the whole thing where it's yeah. like no the ones we should really be afraid right. of in this circumstance are not somebody from another planet but right. that's what like this saying, invasion yeah. of the home right. that is your the government yeah. itself and and it's presenting iconography that is already so ingrained in the pop culture but in this like very frightening scary way is always one of the Frankly, most inventive visual moments. I've yeah, ever and seen then Spielberg there's the the have. part where they're like trying to run through the house, and one's like, ooh, like, comes yeah. up, and it's like, ooh, hello, yeah, like, like a Scooby Doo <laughs> like, villain. Or yeah, something. It was, yeah, but um, it's funny. But yeah. like, I think again, the lighting in the movie is terrific. This is before he was even working with Janusz Kaminski, um, and uh, for me, I think the reason why it remains the greatest children's film of all time for me is because every time I watch it, I I truly feel like I'm a child again. And I, I can't really say that of any other, you know, something like The Wizard of Oz, like, that's a little different. I think that's not necessarily, uh, quote, a children's film squarely. I think it could be seen as that. It was played as that for a long time. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, that's the, really, that's these, the those are the only two movies I can think of yeah. that would be considered that way. That every time I watch, I truly feel like I'm ten years old again, yeah, or less. I mean, because even when I go back and watch the Star Wars movies, there's all this context that is on top of those things. Sometimes that there are moments. Sometimes I fall into that, but the those two movies are ones that I just truly, without a shadow of a doubt, totally give myself over to. Even even though I've seen them a lot of times, yeah. it's still when when the when, when you're in the movie, it, it, you get caught up in it. For yeah, me. one one qualifier. It's kind of off topic, but. I used to kind of think that way about something like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. which is a very beloved movie. But the last time I watched that, and you can go find I made a whole Twitter thread about this. Literally all the adults in that movie are insane. <laughs> like, because rewatching it, I can't feel necessarily like, oh, that kind of childlike wonder because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, all these adults are like obsessing over this like chocolate factory. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole, like one of my favorite parts is where it's like, because half of the beginning of the movie is showing how random adults around the mm-hmm. world are reacting yeah. to this whole Wonka bar. Oh, you get to go to the, the Wonka bars, have all the golden tickets in them. And there's one scene where it's like, oh, you've got this one case of Wonka bars yeah. that may or may not have it in it. And the woman's husband's kidnapped. And they're like, we want your one case. And she's like, I'm going to have to think about it. It's like, (laughs) what? Anyway, so yeah, there are certain movies where you kind of outgrow and you begin to recognize the nonsense of it. But that, I think, is what works about a Spielberg movie. Because I I wrote about this in my Letterbox review, which was very short. But something that I had recognized... Is the and kind of thought about was the keys character who's yeah. pretty much as a kid I never thought of as like I always thought of no he is a villain like he is a bad guy he would be right? the yeah. quote what antagonist right. obviously more and so watching it sense, as an adult yeah. though yeah uh, and I understood conceptually oh he knew E T as a 
child. child, but I'm thinking, but he's not working to help them. He's still working with the government. It was like an implicit, yeah, right. like, but as you get older, you kind of recognize the complexity yeah. of that. So I think that is something that spoke to me even more as an adult, I yeah. think, is that portion of the movie and made me really think about, oh, and obviously that whole being I talked about it a moment that really struck me is that he sees these Reese's pieces on the ground yeah. and what he does is he eats it. He doesn't think about, oh, this could be tainted right. or contaminated. He just immediately eats it. He doesn't even think about it. Yeah. And so it's like, I, that's obviously talking about, you know, not you losing that childlike wonder. And I feel like that's ultimately what he is the whole movie is that character. Yeah. Um, but it is, so, but that's what's so great and complex about even a character like that among everything else in the movie that's great is that that can still function as an adult of seeing that differently. For me, at least, I was like, oh, that's a, almost a whole new character to me that I hadn't really considered. Yeah. Because the other, uh, as a kid, rightfully, I just always saw it as old, that the way he framed him, the way he was, his purpose in the movie was as a, a antagonist. Yeah. Know? but um, That's actually, like, when he reveals in the movie that, you know, he saw E.T. when he was 10 years old. That's always a line I kind of semi-forget until in the movie when he says it. And I'm like, oh. And again, that, you know, when you're older and you're seeing the movie and you're, you know, I still get caught up in all the stuff with the kids. But even so, that adds this, like you said, other dimension of he still in many ways is a child at heart mm -hmm. and is and almost has undergone this whole field of study, this whole profession just so he can be an adult version of Elliot, also uh -huh. yeah. wanting that alien in his life is um, very touching and very beautiful. Yeah. And what I really love about Peter Coyote is just great in everything. Anyway, well, his so, just yeah. his voice. He has yeah. one of the all-time greatest voices. He does I mean, like Ken Burns yeah. stuff, and yeah, and he just has such a great voice. And then also, even this is a very below the line aspect of him in that movie but he also did like a lot of experimental theater in the 60s yeah. and 70s and was in one of the first versions of true west and so worked with sam shepherd and so like there is this like when you're thinking about that movie come out in the 80s this like very person who should have should quote no better countercultural figure who is still caught up in this like right. childlike wonder aspect yeah. is something very beautiful and yeah, to go from think, True West to E.T., which are two very different yeah. things. Yeah, uh, And but. also just like the beauty of these this and Close Encounters existing together I think is very important because, of course, Close Encounters um, and Spielberg caught a little bit of flack, I think, from some people. And then even himself is like, well, I'm glad I did it, but I wouldn't do it now necessarily. The whole idea of Richard Dreyfuss leaving his whole family behind in many ways, I mean, they're not like, it's not like, E.T.'s not a sequel, of course, but it's like a spiritual well, yeah, continuation then, of some yeah, of those ideas. Yeah, because then it's about, well, the dad left, and the dad's not coming back, and so it's, yeah, I think that's an interesting... And I know, think those two movies just beautifully complement each other, and obviously, mm -hmm. Close Encounters is a very more adult-oriented movie, of course, with Dreyfus being the main character, and it's not even that much longer later. It's like five years later when E.T. would have come out. But already, and I, again, Close Encounters was part of Spielberg's leveling yeah. up. But he's even more leveled up as a filmmaker by the time you get to Yeah, e. and I think Close Encounters, I think that works for that, of that era. Because that's very much, the whole movie is ultimately about a man who doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. Even though he has a family. Yeah. 
that it's clearly that he feels like an alien on Earth well, in also, his own way. Not that he literally is that. That's not the point of the movie. And part of the if, movie, you know, and E.T. has an aspect of this too, has this fabulistic quality, mm-hmm. as Close Encounters does, in the sense of if you're an American man who's like a father, um, you have seen the culture deal with the 60s, with Watergate, with Vietnam... You're in a failed marriage. Why the hell are you not going to get on yeah. the spaceship? Well, and it's leave like as it's like a racerhead came out the same year, and that's all about fatherhood in its own way too. And that's and, another double feature. Yeah, be. and so not and that, but ultimately, in the racerhead is clearly more negative. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I don't find all that to be as negative as people think it yeah. is because I'm like, well, that's how people. That was a natural feeling at the time of the time. In that in its own way, that's also about an an adult man retaining that childhood wonder to say i'm gonna get in a spaceship and leave like and no, not care absolutely you know? and also you know, just but. that um it's a it's a choice it's a big yeah, choice right, for spielberg yeah. to have a character do that in a movie i think plus and the so, child comes back i think if you did i think that works too because the child who was abducted comes back yeah and all the other people yeah. come back that were abducted where it, it seems like a weirdly a fair trade almost and I don't know. Yeah, I get that. I mean, but like I said, I feel like that's very much of its moment of yeah. like, well, that's what happened. And so it is interesting yeah. too that both of those movies have much more positive views on aliens as opposed yeah, to like because a lot of had alien invasion. Alien had come out, and then the thing, the thing was thing. that summer in yeah. '82. So yeah. there, there was a big push for all those those scary aliens, and so yeah. It was and then later on, even Spielberg, that. when he do War of the Worlds, that's mm-hmm. obviously a more negative uh, view of aliens. Nine Eleven, yeah, yeah, right. And, uh, and, but yeah. I, I mean, there ain't much more to say than ET's a great movie. Go yeah. check it out if right. you haven't. And yeah. uh, we were blessed, blessed and lucky enough to see it re-released. Um, and again, it's a movie that totally works. I've seen it on Blu-ray the last few years, like regularly, and mm-hmm. it still is amazing. But to see it on the big screen, it really does give it that. Yeah. There's a reason why, you know, this movie was as successful and popular as it was in that medium and again and we've talked about this i think in the past never got a sequel high score movie yeah never got a it's sequel the biggest sequel potential it ever had was the theme park ride at universal which is just like <laughs> yeah. okay but that's acceptable that's like all right whatever you know speaking of uh phantom menace earlier the the et alien race is in the phantom menace yeah. if you like look i know spielberg right. wanted look by the way like i thought it was there. funny uh there was that moment at the beginning of the movie, I always forget this. The movie ultimately opens with "Look at these weird plants." It's just like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> like, because like, it's like they're botanists of some sort, and they're going to these different planets and taking plants or whatever. Yeah. And it just makes me laugh to think of. It's like the movie starts with like, "Look at these plants yeah. they're gathering." It's like, <laughs> okay, like, it feels like something that could have easily been cut out. Yeah. Um, that feels very like 1950s B movie to me, though. Of yeah. like. Yeah, just the imagery of that, I think, fits it in a way. But I just, I just thought that was random because I always forget that. It's like, oh, okay. Like, Another like you know. ET factoid before we move on that I always love and adore is that it was like the first movie Brian Wilson had seen since Seconds. I think it was. Yeah, right? and we talked about that when we talked on the Seconds podcast. But that, but yeah, but I just love the anecdote of that. That like the only movie that could totally bring back Brian Wilson from the abyss of. <laughs> Not all the things he was going yeah, with right. and all yeah. that was E.T. I just love yeah. that about it. Yeah. Um, another movie, this, now this is a new movie, uh, but also one of Spielberg's co-directors, you should say, on Twilight Zone, the movie. Who didn't kill somebody. Yeah, one of those. So there, you have two options. You got yeah. Joe Dante <laughs> or George Miller, yeah. who of course directed 
3,000 years of solitude, or longing, I'm sorry. 3,000 years of longing. Not 100 years of solitude uh, th- by Gabriel is, Mar- Garcia Marquez. Yeah, this is George Miller's first movie since Mad Max Fury Road in 2015. Yeah. There's been, it's hard to believe, that's already been seven years now. Yeah. I remember that mm-hmm. summer when that mm-hmm. came out. Yeah. Same Memorial weekend, Day. Yeah. Same weekend as Mad, uh, Mad Men's finale. Yeah, no. Because remember yeah. the very beginning of the Mad Men finale yeah. is Don, like, on those, like, on the ice driving that car. Right. like, Mad Men Fury Road. Right, right of yeah. course. Well, then, um, yeah, you also had, uh, I went and <laughs> most random thing ever. That whole weekend was just legendary in its own way because I remember I randomly saw the Poltergeist remake. Oh, yeah. I went with a friend to see that, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay. I still haven't even seen the original Poltergeist. But, yeah. But, yeah, quite a, quite a weekend. But, anyway, yeah. Yeah. 3,000 years of longing, whatever. So, this movie, yeah. it came out at Cannes and kind of just got a muted to next to nothing response. Um, Which is how I felt, for the most part. And you know, I'm not going to be that far off from where you are on this movie, but more than anything, I'm actually just kind of grateful that it just exists as this thing, even though it's not all that great. It certainly isn't on the level of Fury Road in terms of filmmaking, um, just a prowess. And I'm somebody who... Or even Happy Feet, which is just so weird that it exists. It's For a kid's movie, that it's like a penguin tap dancing movie... What? Yeah. Like, that's at least so weird it li- and was, like, kind of a big deal at the time, technically, as an yeah. animated movie. This just doesn't really have anything about it that is particularly memorable. But, you know, and it's weird yeah. for all the visuals in the movie. Yeah. The movie mostly takes place in, like, a hotel room. But, well, let's just try to explain what this is about, I guess. It's basically... Tilda Swinton is like playing a, what is a narratologist. People who study stories <laughs> say that, which is a thing. Yeah, but okay. But like, kind of like on a folklore, mythic kind of level, you know, uh, Joseph Campbell type of thing. And so she's like in, um, is she in Istanbul? Yeah, or is it Turkey? Yeah, mm-hmm. on a conference, and all of a sudden is visited by a genie. Uh, or Jean, as they, what they, they say, Jean, uh, played by Idris Elba. Because she finds a bottle. She finds a bottle she buys in a, uh, uh, like a little knick-knack store, basically. Um, and, you know, at, you know, rubs the yeah. bottle, and he comes out, and she, he has to give her three wishes, but ultimately most of the movie is them talking in a hotel room. Uh, but then a lot of it is him flashing back yeah. and showing his, the various ways in which he's been trapped to this, yeah. you know, um, and the people they, whose lives he's destroyed, ultimately. Yes, and this but, kind yeah. of guilt and remorse and anguish he feels about it, but also, like, this tethering he has to this object. Yeah. Um, again, it's a movie that I just look at what it's all about, and I see it, and I'm like, you know, I really want to actually kind of love this movie, actually, but I just don't. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like it uh, a good amount. I, I would probably give it, like, I want to give it three and a half stars out of five, but honestly, I'd probably give it more of a three just because I'm like, it It frankly doesn't live, again, for all the visual imaginative moments that happen, it doesn't really last in the memory all that long and doesn't really stick with me in a way. Yeah. Um, that again, George Miller clearly, just as a filmmaker, has this visual prowess and style. Um and again, I'm a fan of Fury Road, but I sometimes roll my eyes ever so slightly, not at the movie as much as I do at the response that the movie's engendered. Um, well, and, and, and can I, I speak quickly yeah. about that? As I think what the problem is there, and you're right about that, 
but that just how starved people were for a great action movie that yeah. was actually something, you know. Yeah. And, and had a very and, clear visual right. and imagination. So I get that. But yeah, also it's like, okay, let's move on. I mean, there's been other good action movies since then too. I mean, the Mission Impossible movies as well, which those are always beloved. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, and so, and also, well, another thing I think about Fury Road 2 is just that it was like a return to trying to do this dystopian thing and a return to the Mad Max series and was almost the greatest hits of many yeah, of the right. uh, older, which I've still not even seen Thunder Beyond Thunderdome. But it's whatever, um, and we're not really fans of the first Mad Max. Road the Warrior, uh, we the Road like. Warrior, I think is really good. But yeah. Yeah, other than that, I don't um, care. Yeah. But again, I really wanted to love this movie, but it kind of arrives at fairly pedestrian conclusions about narrative and fate and love. You I liked I mean? at least that if, as a as a as a Christian, I like at least that it was like, oh no, there is something to all this. And I was like, oh, well, okay, well, that's nice to hear right. somebody say that, finally. It does movie, have one yeah. moment that has stuck with me. It's early on in the movie where she's in the middle of the conference talking, <laughs> and there's all of a sudden this just spirit just standing there, eyeing her down, and she's yeah. like, like trying not to look yeah. at him and looking at these yeah. other people. Like that was a moment that actually did like right. I felt like some because kind of a Terry of Gilliam movie, movie yeah. or something. Yeah, it reminded me. me a lot of a Terry Gilliam movie, a lot of it. But yeah, that whole the opening of the movie made it feel like it was going to be a little wilder than it was. Yeah, and then even the stories that he was telling were ultimately kind of just like a little morality okay. plays yeah. almost. I mean, you know, I mean, I think it, and this is what it was originally. I think it would work really great as a short story. Which it was, right? which it, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So it's yeah. like of a genie being like, "Yeah, you know, I've I've screwed up. I've done some bad things here and there," and be like, "Huh, okay." Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then that's it. But to make it a whole movie that's like almost two hours. I mean, yeah. and it and it's weird because you would think that it would be longer. It's like, no, this could actually be a little bit shorter. Um, yeah, that's but, what. And yeah. I mean, it was actually short, but it felt like you said, almost kind of a little longer than mm-hmm. it was. Um, and also, just as two people who were raised on uh, fairly odd parents, it's like we all know the whole "be careful what you wish for." And I mean, most genie. I mean, Norm Macdonald as the genie. Yeah, like you know, in that. <laughs> I Norm, mean, like, Norm the genie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, and so I mean, I know most genie stories like revolve around yeah. that, like, oh, this imprisoned thing. And again, I've obviously seen Aladdin tons of times. Well, and, that, and that's and, what I was going to say too, is like, I just saw the Will Smith Aladdin back in the spring. Yeah. Guy we Ritchie's all Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> we all watched that uh, as a uh, as a thing for at school. All the kids watched it and it was alright. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that good, but it also wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to I mean, it was literally just Aladdin again. That's what I heard. Literally just the original Aladdin. But also, it's like, like Ro- Robin know. Williams is the genie. Is yeah. A and, truly transformational voice actor. And even work. with that movie, let me say, yeah. the original one, it's yeah. funny because I was like, man, this is a really great movie. Rewatching it. And, I, and then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, the genie's going to have to be in this. Like, I love the first, like, Half of the movie, street rap, one jump, yeah, you know, the bread line, and yeah. but and then, and it's like and he's fine in the movie, he's quite good. I, but mean, I don't William know. F. Buckley, uh, that was funny, voices, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and like I like Robin Williams, okay. I'm I've never been the biggest Robin Williams fan, so that was part of it. But I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to have the genie in this. 
I was like, oh. Even that being and said, though, Will Smith's no, no, like, no. like trying to <laughs> yes. trace the no. That's now dumb. I'm curious, yeah. did it and have like these fourth wall breaking moments at yeah. all? Like that did not as much and not as well done as you would obviously as you would assume. Yeah. But yeah, I had some of that, and I feel like there was honestly more of Will Smith's genie in the movie than Robin Williams was. Which the is weird. The, the because it, because that's what I, like I was saying, randomly there's a lot of the movie that the genie is not in in the original Aladdin, the animated yeah, movie. Right. Um and so yeah, anyway, that's all just to say that having seen that newer Aladdin yeah. not that long ago, I just kept kind of thinking of that as I was watching it mm-hmm. and I was kinda like, Yeah, we've kinda done this whole thing a million times. Obviously so this like, is a more sincere know. yeah kind yeah. of uh I guess expression of that. And it's interesting thing. in the fact that it's like she's they're romantically entwined. There's like a whole thing, but yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's a fine movie. It's weird. It's, it's, it's like, a movie that I'm glad exists yeah. and was released and that we saw and paid money to see. Uh, but and, and you know what? Sometimes it's good that these movies come out like this, where it's like it wasn't all that great, but I'm you're just glad it exists. Mm-hmm. A movie like this existing and being slightly disappointing is frankly, hopefully, the mark of a a, a bettering film culture if that makes any sense and that seemed like a big well it's kind of like take it's kind of like it, how but. i felt about the northman yes yeah, we're like yeah. and i like this better than that yeah but would i yeah. rather rewatch that more probably i don't know just because uh the night blade feeds <laughs> i mean you know i don't know but like i don't know it's weird to go see it it's actually kind of nice like you said to go see a movie that you're just like huh Okay. Okay, and then immediately move on and, and, and forget about nothing it. Else, in like you, two seconds, you can look but, at either one of those yeah. movies and say there's a lot of technical work that went into these yeah. things, and people and people were them. obsessed with the Northman, of course, when that came out. Just but this just got struck that I will kill Fury or whatever. And how many like, people you know, do you talk? You see on film Twitter talking about how great George Miller is. Oh my God, Fury Road's the greatest yeah. film that well, ever. Well, you existed. said it when we went in there. You were looking around. You're like, "Where's all the Fury Road fans out? Where are there they?" There were some more people who came in after that, but. But again, like, again, George Miller is a, clearly a talented filmmaker. Yeah. And someone that I respect in a lot of ways. And I kind of respect the fact that he just seems like he disappears for whole periods of time and then comes yeah. back with certain movies. And not every filmmaker, frankly, has the freedom to even be the able to. The glass is looking even know? more ridiculous than the last time, somehow. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, again, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I wish I liked Whatever. it more. But as I said, and I think you're right to pair it with the Northman that movies like these existing while they sometimes might be disappointing is just frankly positive or encouraging that oh well at the very least um, this exists and has an audience behind it Mm -hmm. we don't want to talk about this too too long but um, the movie's actually I think kind of like currently screening at uh, Venice Film Festival White Noise Noah Baumbach's latest film which is going to be um Airing on Netflix later this year. I'm not sure exactly when. It's like October, November, some point. Is that right around the time of uh, right after Thanksgiving? Maybe is that when it was, or is that right? Around yeah, the, I yeah, think, I think so, something like that. Was. Black Friday. I guess, um, Noah Baumbach, of course, adapting Dom DeLillo, starring um, Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig. One of my most anticipated movies of the year, even mm. though I have. I, you know, even though I'm going into it with certain reservations inherently because it's like, well, it's adapting Don DeLillo. I'm already going into it like, don't expect the world of it necessarily because Don DeLillo is my favorite yeah. writer, of course. So uh, there's that. Um, we want to just more specifically and kind of quickly here talk about the trailer which got put out. And 
it looks as though it's like very much almost hiding the extent to which what it is about as far as what I know White Noise yeah, is a novel right. is about. We'll see what the movie exactly is, manifestation of it is. But um, it looks like a movie that's, uh, the trailer looks like it's trying to appeal to people like, oh, wow, what is this? It's going to be on Netflix. So that's the barrier of entry into a movie like that is all of a sudden lowered because there's going to be yeah. more people see it. What did you kind of, your takeaways? Well, I want to talk about the book real quickly because the, the it's randomly, I think his most known book and I think his most quintessential book in a lot of ways, uh, other than Underworld, which everybody says is his best, you know, but I feel like White Noise was like, it was his first really big. That was his breakthrough. Right, novel. and so... But just to speak about that for a moment, that that book I think is pretty inaccessible character-wise. Um, the characters are very bland, very kind of intentionally opaque. Yeah. Um, which is not really a problem, but it's also a reason that book hasn't stuck with me as much as, for say, Libra, or Underworld, or some of his other book, Mal Two, even mm-hmm. um, books that have a little more character work going on in it. Because th- that book is like almost strangely. If someone tried to write a parody book of DeLillo and still be a great book, I mean, it really is a great book. I love White Noise. And, you know. But it, the book is inherently a satire, so it's yes. like it's and dealing so, with generalities and kind of, like you said, like the characters are not, not the most yeah. in-depth creatures. Like the thing I remember the most about that book, other than inherently the whole airborne toxic event as a whole event, yeah. obviously, yeah. is that sequence where the newborn baby, they're driving home from somewhere, and it just starts crying, mm-hmm. and it will not stop crying. Mm-hmm. It goes on for like an hour, yeah. And it's just crying for no reason. They can't yeah. figure out why. And they are just sitting there waiting for it to stop, and it just goes on and on. And finally, it does. And then they just kind of look at each other, and then just move on. It all feels very robotic and very like uh, inhuman almost. And big portions of that movie are all about going to grocery stores and just walking around grocery stores, which is in the trailer. It looked like. So all that's to say that it seems like a pretty inaccessible, almost like an essay, more than a narrative, in a mm-hmm. way. Um, and so saying that, I'm fascinated by the imagery of the trailer, and obviously I, I could care less about what a trailer is. I was kind of surprised by the trailer. I was a little bit like, oh, yeah. okay. And then I started thinking, like you said, it's like, oh, of course that's the way that Netflix is going to try to market this. Mm-hmm. But... At the same time, I'm kind of actually anticipating this. Well, I'm anticipating anyway, but positively anticipating it based on what I saw, mainly in the sense of, I mean, yeah, it looks kind of like a more of a comedy inherently, and I mean that I feel like that book is a comedy uh, clearly in its own way, uh, but a little more strangely lighthearted, um, meaning that oh, we might actually get to have some characters in this, and like I'm just interested to see what that will be because whether I like it or love it, want some more of it, try so hard, <laughs> whether any of that happens, I'm going to be fascinated by whatever it is, just by nature of it being only the second DeLillo thing adapted. Um, but I just wonder, is that the book to adapt? But that makes me even more fascinated by, okay, this is what mm-hmm. um, Bombach chose to do. He didn't choose to do Underworld, which is a massive undertaking. He didn't even choose to do, like you said, books I haven't read, but the names or Running Dog, some of those books that sound like inherently they're more. I can imagine ripe more easily adaptation, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or even Americana. Um, well, to that end, you know, I mean, uh, I think of White Noise as a book as a prose version of Koyanis Kotze as a mm. documentary. In terms of it is about about this very eighties 
we're becoming more robotic. We're becoming more attached to the electric, the TV. Uh, again, as you said, there's a lot of portions of that book that are about like talking about the description of grocery stores and just this like this, and that weird uh, friend that the family has that's always hanging out in there all the time. I don't yeah. even remember his name, but it's like yeah, it's a very it's it feels like a like an alternate universe in its own way yeah. of like yeah. And then and, there's the whole absurdity of like Hitler studies and yeah, you know. Uh, again, like literally, just everybody involved with it, Bombach. Like I've thought more of him in recent years, and I've always liked him fine enough. But Love Driver, Love Gerwig. Um, there's just a lot of and, and then and then again, Bombach adapting Delillo. There's just a lot of like, huh? I really am interested to see what this. I wonder is what Delillo was thought of. It, yeah, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. I got no idea. He's not. He's not nearly as. Uh, uh, Hermit as much as yeah. like Pinchon is, but what did he you also think of Cosmopolis? Did he he like liked that? it. Yeah, I think he liked that. Yeah. And that movie, I think that's ever so slightly not as good of a movie as that uh, Cosmopolis is as a book, but is a pretty faithful adaptation of that book. And that book's like probably on the slightly lower end for me, anyways, of Delillo books. I still like it, but uh, but Cronenberg was a very savvy choice to direct that uh, and. We've talked about this in the past. Cronenberg actually is ever so secretly very great at adapting true blue novels mm. and novelists in a big, mighty way in movies. So, um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that that book is as iconic as it is, for, again, as you said, one of his most quintessential known books. And it's a, and like the movie, the, the book oftentimes gets assigned in academia, and the book is a parody or a satire in many ways of academia. So I'm just very, again, very curious to see what it's going to be. It's been getting, I think, some fairly positive reviews so far um, in its screening. But uh, yeah, it's interesting how Hitler studies was such a big thing. That and the tunnel, um, all these books, kind of oh in the God. 80s and 90s, that were about that whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's interesting as an idea of trying to reckon with the 20th century and kind of the Holocaust and Nazi Germany and Hitler being like, where did we go wrong kind yeah. of aspect well, and some- and finding no answer to that. I feel like it was a very natural thing then. I'll be interested to see how they try to adapt that to now as far as white noise. Like, what will that for mean DeLillo, to people? I don't know. Yeah, for but. DeLillo, n- Nazism other than other than how it shows up in white noise is probably before that most present in running dog. Yeah. Um, of what that is right. about. Um, I do feel like some of these postmodernist authors who, again, I love DeLillo a lot. Uh, William Gass the tunnel is indeed a book I read. Um, I feel like a lot of them and some of that's that impulse and some of it is naturally a generational thing when they were coming about is chasing uh, the rocket of Gravity's Rainbow that is yeah. just such a overwhelming, overpowering statement of trying to also grapple with that stuff that mm-hmm. that I think that that was such an early burst of that, and they're all trying to chase well, that's how so sublime big. that that's is so that it's big and so impossible to do. That it's like they're just trying to do it in a more basic way, which I respect because we've already done that with Gravity's Rainbow, obviously. Yeah. Um, but again, we're going yeah. to be talking about white noise yeah. eventually when it comes out, of course. Yeah. Um, so we'll be that, that and again. Blonde are two really big Netflix movies that are like, oh wow, you know, yeah, probably the last two great Netflix movies. Well, like, again, <laughs> yes, because in recent <laughs> you know. months it's been talked about that. Um, I think it sounds like Andrew Dominic and Netflix really went to really butted heads over Blonde. 
uh, and that's been a story for some years, even before it was going to be Netflix, about how explicit he wanted that movie to be. So we're going to see what that is. I know Anna DeArmas recently came out and said that she doesn't know why the movie got an NC-17. She said she didn't think it was as bad as other movies that get R ratings. Presumably it has to do with uh, nudity in it. I don't know. Um, or sexuality in it. So again, those are yeah, those are both movies that we're going to be talking about in the months to come. But the movie for today is The Place Beyond the Pines from, as I said earlier, 2013. Uh, Levi, when you get it pulled up, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about it. So The Place Beyond the Pines is a 2012 American crime drama film directed by Derek Derek Sin France, written by Sin France Ben. Cochio and Darius Martyr. The film tells three linear stories. Luke, Ryan Gosling, a motorcycle stunt rider who supports his family through a life of crime. Avery, Bradley Cooper, an ambitious policeman who confronts his corrupt police department. Two troubled teenagers, well, and two troubled teenagers, Emery Cohen and Dane DeHaan, who explore the aftermath of Luke and Avery's actions 15 years later. Um, And then we'll talk more about the cast in a bit, but... um, but essentially, yeah, the movie is, I guess, about uh, Ryan Gosling is this uh, motorcycle stunt rider for circuses, um, and it's in uh, how do you say it? Schenectady, Schenectady or how do you say it? Whatever. The, the Schenectady, uh, New York, was a pun or play right. on. Um, and about him realizing, oh, this woman that I had this one night stand with years before, played by um, Eva Mendez. Um, had this child, and he's like, oh, well, I need to stay here, and it would be very easy for him, actually, to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and decides, oh, I'm going to stay here and try to make money, and the way he does that is to rob banks. Um, and then, of course, the movie becomes something totally other than that over time. And, that, yeah, the movie is ultimately three different uh, stories. stories. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Let me just go ahead and say from here on out, uh, and I don't normally say this about movies we do on here. We're going to probably enter spoiler territory fairly yeah. quickly. So in the event you have not seen this movie, I would recommend you at least you know be prepared that we're going to spoil things that if you also watch, listen to the commentary or watch it, that we're going to obviously talk about. But right. the part of the trick of this movie involves misdirection that it kind of intentionally, I think, leads you into thinking, especially if you listen to the trailer makes you think you're going to go see a certain kind of movie and it transitions into something a little different. Yeah. Um, so just be prepared for that if we spoil anything. Yeah. Um, cast. Ryan Gosling is Luke Glanton. Is this the first Gosling movie we've done? Uh, well, I think we've touched on Gosling here or there. Yeah. But it might very well be. I know this is probably kind of a funny personal thing. I think, I don't know, I would imagine everybody when they go to the movies has like someone who like ever so slightly looks like the best vague version of themselves in movies or like as somebody it's like oh if like I can like imagine myself on the screen and how I would look for me as a blonde haired blue eyed person it's always been Ryan Gosling's been that figure for me but again it's above just his looks I just think as an actor he's really terrific what I really most admire about him is the choices he makes he's not just going to be in any big movie just because yeah. On the, I mean, he is something in something like the Gray Man. I, maybe he was just trying to do like an action movie or something. I'm not sure, but yeah. um, he's been very intentional about the movies that he's made. This was also I was thinking about him with this movie, right around the time that you know he had been in. You know, for the longest time, I associated him as oh, he's that one 
that one like player that's in the background of remember the Titans. He's like on uh-huh. he's on the team in that. Right. Um, and then you know, as a big of a fan as I am of him, I've still not seen the Notebook, and that's not intentionally. I'd like to see it at one point. Randomly directed by John Cassavetes' son. Uh-huh. No, I always forget that. Uh, but the yeah, Notebook. What are you doing with yourself? The man. Notebook, I know, is just this hugely iconic movie, ro- you know, romantic drama. Yeah. But it was specifically in 2011. He was in uh, Drive, um, Crazy Stupid Love, and uh, The Ides of March. All three of those movies in 2011. That was like really, arguably, for him, one of his biggest breakthrough moments. And for me, it was the moment I really set up and paid more attention to him. And what I specifically love about those three movies are, you look at him in The Ides of March. It's a very conventional, and I like that movie a lot, actually. But it's actually a fairly conventional like political drama, like a movie that was going to get made in the 90s out the wazoo, but it, by the, even by the early 2010s was a little bit more of a dinosaur type of movie. Yeah. Um, but plays like it very earnest, very sincerely. Something like Drive, what I like, is as far as his performance goes, he's playing this kind of archetypal tough guy yeah. character that has become one of was one of those like immediately iconic 2010s film characters, for better or worse. Yeah. And then Crazy Stupid Love was something that just allowed him to really have a sense of humor with. was just a, one of my favorite random romantic comedies. I just really think that's a very clever movie. And just, we're putting him and Steve Carell together. Yeah, just, and just strange, that was interesting. Yeah. And then him when to, Steve Carell used to just admit that he was funny. Yeah, I right. mean, we can talk about this a whole other day. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on. But uh, that new but, trailer for that movie, the therapist or the patient or whatever. Yeah, it is. Paul Dano's in that too. I think is it Paul? Dano? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Dom Hall Gleason. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. He's like, ah, or whatever, yeah. and that makes me laugh. Him screaming is just But that was also but, the yeah. first time him and Emma Stone were ever paired yeah. up to mm-hmm. be anything together, and they, of course, went on to be in La La Land. Yeah. Um, but, again, he that was just, like, a special moment of his career where he was really kind of engaged in, like, three special projects to various extents that allowed him to showcase who he was. Right. And I think what's special about this movie, we can talk about Bradley Cooper here in a little bit in a second too, is that you know they were two of the biggest stars to kind of really seriously level up in the 2010s in general. They're going to be seen as two of the biggest stars of the 2010s. And the fact that this movie, again, part of the trick of this movie is they don't share. They share like really one scene pretty much together, yeah. uh, very famously. Um, but like this movie will always act as a look at him look at where they were at this moment in yeah. their careers and the you know they went on to do bigger things and hopefully they'd work together again and mm-hmm. actually have more work together but um and him in this movie again he got a lot of good reviews for this even people who were not a big fan of this movie he gave him a lot of good reviews just the kind of quiet intensity yeah. that he had but one of my favorite observations that got made about him in this movie was actually from A.O. Scott, who wrote a kind of a mixed review, yeah, but he 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 said something about um, Gosling, kind of uh, you know when he's robbing the banks, like like robbing them with a shriek, yeah. And I never thought of it that way, even though in the past when he's robbing the banks, like there's clearly this element of fear he has yeah. and this nervousness, and the fact that he's still trying to do this and is mostly successful, but then also like scared. Yeah, I think is a very interesting little character trait for him to have. Yeah. Well, also for somebody who's clearly a daredevil and 
his downfall is ultimately that he kind of half-heartedly robs a bank, and then that's why yeah. he, what happens to him happens to him. But that yeah, that he he's cocky, but he's also scared at the same time. Yeah, that's an interesting, and that's not really exemplified very much. It's kind of just there um, in the movie. But and he's yeah. a character that you know he's clearly a bum, a piece of trash in a lot of ways. But like you understand why he's in the situation he's in and he's trying to do the best and he almost knows his expiration date is uh, nearing completion pretty much. So I love Gosselin a lot. I love him in this movie. Also, even a movie I'm not particularly fond of actually is something like uh, The Nice Guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's really funny in that. You know what I mean? And again, that's again... he, He sometimes is another actor that not to the extent of like Steve Carell exactly... But sometimes doesn't lean into his humor as much as I wish he would because Gosselin's a really funny performer when he's in the right thing. And sometimes, as I said, I wish he would lean more into that. Um, this this character and role certainly didn't call for that. But um, speaking of him earlier, too, again, he's been very intentional in his choices. Obviously, La La Land, that was one of the best roles and performances he's given yeah. yet. First Man, also, as Neil Armstrong, I thought he was great in. And all of us are eagerly, especially me, is eagerly awaiting what his take on Ken and Barbie's going to be already. That looks like yeah. it's going to be something. Anything else you have to add about Gosling? No, not really. I mean, you pretty much said all of it. I mean, he's just one of our great actors, and especially to be so choosy um, about things is always speaks to that. And I think, yeah, he's really great in this. Um and so, yeah, I've just always liked him in pretty much everything. And I really wanted to see that movie Lost River that he directed, which... It got I bad people, reviews, I know. Whatever. Yeah. Also, yeah, well, but, well, we might can talk about this later. Also, Blue Valentine, uh, yes, which she's worked yeah. with seeing France before, that's a really amazing movie yeah. and performance. That's an even better movie than this is, I think, even though I like this better. Yes. Um... Also, he's talking about dead man's bones. <laughs> you know, oh, i got to bring album. that up every second that yeah. I can. Also, Gangsta uh, Squad. Gangsta Squad. So <laughs> bad. Um, I guess he's going to play the, were- the, we- the werewolf. Yes. The wolf man. Yeah, we mentioned this. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I know he's, like, he's actually really into, like, horror-y yeah. kind of things. Um, and that, yeah, apparently he is developing Universal's, you know, how they're rebooting a lot of the classic yeah. uh, monster movies that he's going to be the Wolfman, which hopefully that happens. And seeing France as of now is actually attached to be the director, so that could be really that cool. That would be hopefully. the most interesting movie. That would, that's immediately better than the original Wolfman. There's no way that would be yeah, we're not a fan. Worse. You especially not yeah. a fan of Long Chain. Well, hopefully he'll also sing Were- or Werewolf Heart or Werewolf... What's the name of that song that they did for Dead Man's Bones? I think it's something like that. Werewolf Heart. Yeah, what is it? Something like that. I'm talking about Dead Man's Bones. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, Werewolf Hearts. Yeah. yeah, he needs to yeah, just sing in the movie his own songs. like yeah. Six feet deep. All mm-hmm. right. Anyway, Bradley Cooper as Avery Cross. Um, I'm not the biggest Bradley Cooper fan. I mean, I always have liked him in things. I think that A Star is Born really good. Um, I think he's really good in this. But I don't know. He's just not somebody I give a whole lot of thought to in a, in reference to like Ryan Gosling who I really love uh, but I kind of like that about this movie yeah. I think it works for the movie even more my feelings about him because you're so immediately attracted to the idea of Ryan Gosling in the movie and then once spoiler he is killed by Bradley Cooper, Cooper not even halfway through the movie no, it's like uh, a third or yeah. something like that um, very suddenly very abruptly um, yeah. and then he's alright here's your lead now 
And it's like, yeah. oh, I kind of don't really want... I kind of wanted the other guy that you just shot out the window. Yeah, I kind of wanted him. Mm -hmm. I'm not really interested in you. Mm -hmm. But then that's what you get. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay. And then you kind of have to adjust to that as the idea. Obviously, in the movie, he's a cop who who shoots and kills uh, Gosselin. And he's treated and, as a hero. Yeah, but there's a question of, like, he actually shot first before he ever shot. Yeah. And he feels guilt about it. And that. he feels bad about it. But then the movie becomes about this whole thing about the corruption in the police department of... Which this, is not at all present or right. a feature of the first yeah, part of the movie. and isn't in the second part either. But the yeah, the, 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 oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, the third part. Uh, but yeah, the Snenectiki de police department just brimming with corruption. It's just like <laughs> what, like, um, which I mean, it is, I mean, and I, that's just kind of funny, just by nature of the town being a little smaller. I just think it's funny. It's like, oh my god, this is just so. But there, and but, we'll talk about this more yeah. later. There's this inherent comparison. You can uh, the the this material just rises to the top in terms yeah. of understanding that both of these men, while they're on opposite ends of the law are cutting corners and are, in quotes, quote, doing their best in the situation yeah. they're in. For Gosselin, that's, well, I can't provide for my family and I can't even have a family, so I'm going to rob banks um, as a way to do that. Of course, he dies in that process. So then for Cooper, once he takes over the movie, it's all about, again, oh, well, you cannot play by the rules. And, you know, it's weird, like, Gosselin's whole character arc is him going off track and not doing the right thing. The struggle for Cooper's character is to actually do the right thing, but mm -hmm. almost for selfish reasons to put himself right. ahead. And so that all that automatically is a very interesting relationship between the parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, as far as Cooper goes, I'm not exactly as big a fan of him as I am Gosling, but I actually am uh, admire Bradley Cooper a lot as well. Also, just the context, this was right after he did Silver Linings Playbook, which is a movie I quite like and think he's really good in. He worked a lot in the 2010s with David O. Russell, which a lot of people love bashing David O. Russell, yeah. sometimes for the right and sometimes for the wrong reasons, I would say. But um, His new movie looks so just like, uh-huh. And that's one of those, yeah, I think like, we said, like, are we going to yeah. see that? And we're like, like, maybe. I don't I mean, know. all the yeah. actors that are in it are, like, pretty solid. And he's worked with Christian Bell a lot, too, uh, Russell, uh, Russell has. But uh, I really, but the thing is, he made a lot of those period dramas that people started saying, oh, this is like Scorsese light, especially with American Hustle. That was like, I think uh, that movie will forever be remembered to me as Matt Singer called it, like, the McRib uh, to like Scorsese's like Big yeah. Mac or something right. like that. I don't remember. Or no, no, it was like, it basically like um, Scorsese is like the finest like St. Louis barbecue and a Russell is basically like a McRib or something like that. Yeah. I remember it was right. a comeback comparison. But, but Silver Lines Playbook I think is a movie that's cool not to like but I think is quite good and I think uh, Cooper does a great job with that. In general, Cooper really excels at roles that are very tortured or haunted in some regard. A movie like Chef, which is kind of flawed but also good, is like, oh, bad boy Chef. Yeah. Chef on the or Rocks. Burnt, burnt, you're oh, Burnt. About. No, because yeah. Chef's the Fabro movie. Yeah. Burnt. Um, Chef's on the Rocks. Will he, be, will he be able to make a comeback? It's like, that's kind of an eye roll worthy thing to me. But bad he does boy, a really the, good. The whole job archetype of the bad boy Chef. It's, it's literally a 2010s. Like people look back at that and go, "Wow!" I don't know if Anthony Bourdain is a real person. 
like yeah. kind of fostered that. And in well, some then way. you had also uh, uh, Gordon Ramsay yeah. too, and yeah, they're not Bobby Flay. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Something else with Cooper. Or the owner of Chipotle, uh, whoever that guy was. Another thing with Cooper is a movie like American Sniper, which is a movie that I have mixed feelings on, but I think he's really great in it. I think like yeah. he could have or maybe should have won the Oscar that year, actually. Um, he's really great. And so I, I think a lot of Cooper. And then A Star is Born came around, and that's a movie I was pretty hot for and really, really loved. Um, but again, he, he really excels at taking unlikable or sometimes like emotionally opaque characters and bringing them to life. That's one of his unique skills as an actor, I think. Yeah. And this character's no exception. Again, he you know, he does a really good job of making a lot of characters you don't really like likable. Yeah. He I think he understands that he doesn't need to work super hard in this movie to make this guy likable because I don't know if this was just by kind of by accident or he really truly understood the DNA of the movie and where he fit in it and I'm not sure exactly what it was but he kind of like it's almost refreshing for him to be almost as boringly bland as he is by virtue of what we just right. saw with Gosling yeah. by comparison you know what I mean and and it'd be somebody who simply watches and waits for their moment yes to capitalize on what they want mm. In a, in response to some very bombastic like impulsive person, yeah. you know, it is an interesting. And if he didn't and, understand, and it, certainly seeing France yeah, did, and yeah. rightfully more um, unsatisfying or dissatisfying of a of a lead. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. So um, I I think uh you know I think when I first think of this movie, Gosling immediately jumps to my mind. Uh, but Cooper does have a very tough like tough uh puzzle piece mm-hmm. to make this movie into and i think like he does a really great yeah, job he's at kind that, of the actually. middle like i say he's kind of the middle of it because then the rest of the movie can function of him just kind of barely being in it at that point yes um but yeah he kind of has to totally take that on in the middle even mendez is romina gutierrez who is uh the kind of i guess sort of ex-girlfriend of yeah Gosselin's character, the mother of uh, his son, uh, she's been in a lot of stuff, obviously. Actually, the law, the last movie she was in is Lost River. Yeah, I think she's so basically said she's kind of almost retired from acting because she's basically yeah. just a mother to their children because she's with mm-hmm. Ryan Gosselin right. in real life. I'm not sure if they she's met in making She's in Holy Motors, or... of course, too, and then the Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, what is that? Last Night. Bradley Cooper, is that who that is? No, 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 like no. Who is that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Isn't that? No, it's not. Who the hell is that? <laughs> uh, Sam Worthington. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Like, wow. Anyways. I guess he's going to be back in the black here in a little while. Uh, yeah. A couple months. Um, But yeah, she's been a lot of stuff. Also, Bad Lieutenant. She, she's like rarely gotten um, parts as meaty as this. Yeah. Uh, and I think she actually makes a lot out of it. And she's one of yeah. the more memorable aspects to me of the yeah. movie. Yeah, she's really good. She's kind of not in it as much as it goes along. Um, Especially the middle section. She's yeah, not she's in not in it, in it as much. Yeah, but uh, she and Mahershala Ali is, we'll talk about him briefly because he's just not in a whole lot of it. Yeah. But is her like husband. Um, and, but well, eventually will be her husband, I guess. 
um, who's a more stable individual in every way. And there's that whole scene in the movie where like Gosling comes, he's like, I'm gonna build this, I'm gonna build this crib. Like, <laughs> and it's like this whole frawl <laughs> emotional scene of like, I'm gonna build the crib that I bought. And they get into like a fist fight or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, hey man, you need to leave or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, but it's like that. I guess this was like the first thing I would have seen him. Well, I would have seen this after Moonlight, probably. But the first I, kind I've of major Marshall Ali yeah. thing. Yeah, I think yeah. this was the first time I would have seen him. Uh, no, I don't know. It would have been this or House of Cards because he was on House oh, of Cards right. a little bit. Well, in the Hunger Games. One movies, of these two things. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, he sees in. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah. saying that before that but, yeah. yeah but um true detective of course wow we won't even go into all that yeah true detective. dane dehan and emory cohen uh dane dehan is the son of goslin emory cohen as the son of cooper i want to talk about emory cohen first for a moment because <laughs> he's probably overall the funniest thing about this movie which is saying something when ben mendelson is in the movie like when you're funnier than there's that, just one uh, line reading in particular that he has that we quote all the time fact, you died. It's your effing died. It's your effing died. <laughs> I mean, we'll see how much, again, we're exaggerating it, but I mean, yeah. the last time we really saw this, one of the last, and I was like, really hit me more yeah. so than even the first time. I was like, what is he doing? Like, And that character is, like, takes drugs, so it's like, yeah. okay. That no, makes I mean, he's he clearly did. a totally morally, ethically knowledge worthy uh knowledge based bankrupt individual like you know it's totally also interesting like, too uh, as far as the well, i want to talk about dane dehan yeah. a little bit more in a second here but um both of these characters which again they're the third section of the movie yeah. like the third the i was gonna say the third half but the last third um are the sons dane dehan son of gosselin's character the son of god cohen, i thought you were gonna say <laughs> cohen son of cooper yeah, right yeah. um and it's interesting that with cohen like his whole character is like clearly more spoiled, clearly more has these advantages in life, but his relationship with his father is very fraught and very yeah, troubled. And doesn't want to be around his dad. Yeah, Dahan, meanwhile, has kind of romanticized his father and not sure who his father is, obviously because he died when he was yeah. a child. Um, and just like there's a moment, obviously kind of the climactic moment of the movie where he's like, am I going to become like my father? Am I going to try to be something different you know yeah and dane dehan to me was interesting when this movie was coming out i remember he was one of the up-and-coming faces of the early late 2000s early 20s like the green goblin randomly yeah Yeah. and he was also he was in chronicle yeah kind of the kind of villain of that i guess he was in that show zero 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 which i wanted to watch it was a drug i think he was in that valerian yeah cure for wellness i think cure for wellness is a really good movie and i think that was like one of the best most stable movies he's been in in terms of like oh wow this guy could actually be a lead yeah actor in a movie like if it was more so offered to him He's still working, but... He's going to be an Oppenheimer. He's going to be an Oppenheimer, yeah. He's in that The Kid is Billy the Kid. But it seems uh, as though... The Boxcar Children's Surprise Island. Computer animated adventure film. Yes, yeah, computer animated, all right. Tulip Fever, which is literally one of the most pretentious looking things I've ever I seen. I think that movie, when it came out, kind of got roasted almost as like built as Oscar bait and yeah. then simply got like kind of... It was a, one of the, probably one of the last Harvey Weinstein produced things that there ever yeah. was. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, But 
it seemed I'm not gonna say his you know, obviously he's still working and being in things, but it seemed like there was a window where he was really getting pushed yeah. to be like the uh, a next big lead white actor basically. Yeah, I think and, he's really good in this. I mean, he um, is, and yeah. he and I think again him and nobody's really good in Amazing Spider-Man too. So I'm not even gonna talk yeah. about that. Um, but this and a cure for wellness are good. Like, oh wow, see, he's in these things. Like, he, you know, he should maybe graduate to be in in some bigger things. Um, and again, he's still active and stuff. But I remember in the early 2010s, it was like a whole lot. Oh, Dane DeHaan's yeah. being pushed as this new yeah lead actor. And I want to say briefly about one of the reviews that I that we read for this talked about. I can understand why AJ has more of a hard time, but. Uh, Jason, who's the DeHaan character, I just don't know because he had, you know, he had uh, oh, like Eva a loving, and, well, yeah. loving environment or and background. And I get that, but at the same time, and I get because it's like he's deprived of a father but has another one, and the AJ character just doesn't have, he has a father but he doesn't have one. But I don't know, as I said, he's so privileged and... I don't know. I don't see that. I think that's way too neat of an assumption for someone to make because if you're inherently lacking a father that you've been told these things about who was a a criminal and, yeah. you know, I don't know. That just seems like it's clearly, no, this is the way it's engineered to be correctly. And I found that, I found that to be kind of a disingenuous criticism. Um, criticism in the sense of, oh, I get that. So I, no, I totally don't get that character, but thanks. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, now I get it in the sense of, yeah, he doesn't totally have a father. He's similar to another a, AJ that yeah, we know, yeah, uh, Soprano. Yeah, uh, ultimately, yeah. that's what it is, I yeah. think. And it's like, yeah, and his father's a piece of crap and doesn't really care and is just a politician, ultimately. But I don't know. I just don't really buy that. Well, um, yeah, but, anybody yeah. knowing that their father was killed or is dead right. and grows up, that's going to have an impact on yeah. anybody. And who seems to be actually a more well-put-together individual, inherently. I mean, he's like, you know, I mean, he becomes yeah. friends with this guy. But it's ultimately a lot of the things that he chooses to do in the movie are by nature of what AJ's decisions are, mm-hmm. it seems like, at first. And then over time, that changes. But no, I, I yeah, that's one something I wanted to mention though, just because it tries to equate those two characters, which I think is fine. I mean, they don't have to be exactly, but to kind of say, well, it makes more sense for me. Is like, no, that's dumb. Because yeah. like somebody who talks like you die, you die. I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah, good evening, you die. Good, good evening, die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're literally going to be dying when that happens in the movie, just yeah. so you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just find Dane DeHaan to be far more of a compelling character. Yes. First of all, Emery Cohen also. I feel like I've seen him in something else. I can't remember what it is. Oh, he was in that movie Brooklyn, which I haven't seen uh, oh, with yeah. uh, the Saoirse Ronan film. And he was on that show, The OA. Um, but is he from somewhere else? No, he's from New York. Okay. Somewhere else. I said War that Machine. Right uh, Rebel Ridge. Okay. Jeremy Sonia. Uh, the Birthday Cake. Wow, it looks like a dumb movie. Blue Bayou. Oh, I heard about that. That's that other uh, yeah movie he was in here a while back. Uh, Killer Man. Look at that. <laughs> Is that uh, William Hemsworth? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Emery Cohen, Diane Guerrero, Lotgo Burick, Shiraz Sharma, and Nicholas Shrelly. That's one of my favorite things about this podcast is just finding out about random movies. Yeah. You're like, what? Lords of Chaos. Love that. Shot caller. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so this is literally the greatest poster of all time. If you've never seen the poster for Shot Caller, go look it up. Yeah. Of that guy who was in, yeah, Nicholas Coster Waldau, however you say that. 
just literally like wow I don't even know what to say. I think Phillips like, said that movie's actually okay, I think. Yeah. Cousin. yeah I've not I bet seen he it. would say that. Yeah. Um, it probably is. It looks interesting. I heard, like, I heard several people say Look it's better than... Look how long this summary yeah. is. <laughs> for just a two-hour movie. Hour movie. That's yeah. actually pretty long. Yeah. Now, the summary for this, about the same, but it's like, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Uh, But, yeah, so... Whatever. Ben Mendelsohn, once again, as Robin Vanderhoof. What a name. Total deadbeat piece of trash. Works but somehow like a, not as bad as no, uh, no, the guy in the last movie right. he was yeah, in. Yeah, but he's alright, though. Killing himself. Yeah, he's like a mechanic. Um, who like, actually is like, you need to slow down. Yeah, like yeah. Jocelyn's it's funny, yeah, like, because he kind of comes up with the idea of, let's rob some of these banks. I'll kind of help you out with that, because I got a truck. It's yeah, like, that's like his <laughs> big feature, is I got a truck. Like, I got a truck. Funny thing is, too, they, like, fix up the, like, crappy camper they've got. Yeah. And then they have this, like, party. And they're the like, famous oh, party yeah. scene with the it's dog. Like, what? Like, yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But, um, but, yeah, that he's, of course, really great in this. And he's, like, uh, he's, you know, the, the, uh, link between the different, like, from the first and third yeah. portions of the movie. I think a good link between You know, those, it's interesting but, about his character, too, is that, and this is part of the structure of the movie, is that the whole story he tells of, like, yeah, me and your dad were great friends. Like, really? Yeah, it's like, like the notes yeah. that their character ends on. Yeah. And, you know, only we as the audience right. and That's him a, yeah. know that. And the, so the character, like Dane DeHaan's character, has obviously no idea, so just to believe him. And that he is so desperate for any connection to his dad because his mom just refuses to talk about it. Right. And so he is just, like, looking for any connection he can find to his dad and... Again, Mendelssohn's character is like a character who was kind of totally forgotten about, like yeah. in terms of in the like nobody kind of, else really knew him. Yeah, much. And, and so, so like, yeah. and so I'm sure for him, like the, for his character, there is like this kind of beauty to oh being reconnected with. Uh, Luke, he's a very lonely Luke's man. Character tell, yeah, Goslin so, is that. Yeah. There's a sadness to that right. uh, that's understated, but I think certainly there. Yeah. Um, Rose Byrne is Jennifer Cross, the wife of Bradley Cooper. I don't remember her much in the movie. I don't think she's she's kind of in the second part, not really as in the third because I think they're divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, it but, I, yeah, I think she's like challenging Cooper's character a lot about maybe how ambitious he is, and then eventually when you get to the third part, they've divorced yeah. and they're not together anymore. Uh, Rose Byrne's a good actress. She oftentimes though gets stereotyped, like say a Rebecca Hall. Uh, as just being thrown in as oh the wife, yeah, uh yeah she's the wife character and again, you know, I think even Mendez her character in the movie gets more mileage and opportunity to be not just that like yeah. the girlfriend. I do think Rose Byrne's character does kind of fall a little bit more into the oh the wife character you yeah know, and eventually they don't stay together but right she's good in general yeah and Mahershala Ali we kind of already talked about Bruce Greenwood as District Attorney Bill uh Kill Cullen <laughs> <laughs> um I had to look at that to make sure I was seeing it if you ever like and obviously this movie has a great cast anyway so it's like just throw Bruce Greenwood in there by the way and you're just gonna have a great movie already and it's like that he's like, yeah, basically, his whole part in the movie is interesting because he's like the district attorney who ultimately uh, Cooper goes to and is like, hey, listen, like, I got all this information that can send all, put all these people down, maybe even put you down. 
moment I have to put you down as, uh, (laughs) what's his name? Uh, that guy who I don't really like plays Loki. Oh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston doing his impression of De Niro and I'm going to put you down. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't really like Tom Hiddleston very much. Uh, but anyway, that he's like, Oh, and I could put you down for this too. So I want to be district assistant district attorney. And he's like, okay, USOB. Basically like that. And it's like, yeah, he's not in the movie a whole lot, but of course, right now, somebody who is in the movie, and I wish was in the movie more, Ray Liotta as Detective Peter DeLuca. Love that name. Once <laughs> now, again, returning yeah, from Killing Them Returning softly. champion. Yeah. Uh, this is a very different performance than... Because his old character in Killing Him Softly was like the height of pathetic. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. just like, was that like, you felt bad for that character, Marky. Marky Trapman. Uh, yeah, the car Trapman... Yeah. But his character in this is very much a character in control, a character who like yeah, one of my favorite moments And also just physically he looks yeah. different. Yeah, he looks healthier more. almost. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny cuz it was after that. But yeah, the uh one of my favorite moments in the movie is where he's like they go over to his house and like basically invite themselves to dinner him and the other cops and yeah. like he's like we're going to have to take him out for a little bit. And she's like um and the camera's on Rose Byrne yeah. and he's off to the side and he's like is that a problem? <laughs> 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 like, so, oh, is that a problem? Like, <laughs> he's a great little villain for yeah. that portion of yeah, the movie. Yeah, because he's not even in a whole lot of it. And then there's that scene where he's like, come on, let's go take a ride. And like takes him out to these woods. And he's like, wait a minute, where are you going? Like, It's clear he's like going to try to have him killed. This should have had some like, like 15-minute epilogue of just him and Mendelssohn having a scene. Like, in jail. Yeah. yeah, because he's probably still in jail. Mendelssohn gets put in jail for like indecent exposure or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> of him or his dog. Because his dog has some indecent exposure in this. Yeah. Well, him and dogs. Very oh, that's profane true. Yeah. Killing him softly. Yeah. efforts around this time. Um, but stop this. I mean. <laughs> I, what I love, though, about. Like, I love it. He's just batting a thousand at this point. If he's like. Stop this! And is there a problem? Yeah. He's lying. Well, what I love is these back to back years. Is yeah. that these are two really good movies he was in, and that they're very different. Yeah, role, but it's like, but they're all like, oh, that's Ray Liotta though, right? Yeah, and that they're very both Ray Liotta roles, but very different. And yeah, I because really like that about well, killing him softly, it's more of like a yeah, I said that pathetic kind of Henry Hill at the end aspect to itself, sort of of like I don't know what to do, and I'm totally pathetic. This, it's more of like, uh, just more of those stereotypical kind of roles for somebody who gets to that age and, oh, now I get to be the big bad. But it works for him because he normally never played that. Even in something like Copland, he wasn't really that. He's kind of pathetic character in Um, that, too, in his own way. It looked like a total cocaine addict (laughs) in that. I haven't even seen that whole movie. (laughs) That scene of him, like, pointing a gun with a cigarette in his mouth. He's like, it looks totally on edge, like, insane. Like a Frank Miller character. Yeah, yeah. Or just Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, But... uh, It doesn't look anything. It looks like Frank Miller with hair as Kingpin, basically. <laughs> like, but um, anyway, yeah, he's really good in this, I think. But yeah. um, Harris Eulen as I think he's the dad of uh, Cooper in the movie. Um, he's been in a lot of random things. He's in um, Scarface. He was like in that 
in that scene, he gets shot and killed. Oh, uh, of course. Yes. Yeah. He's in a lot of stuff. He's in Night Moves, the uh, Arthur Penn movie. Yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they didn't have a picture of him here. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's really great and everything. I forgot he was in this. Yeah, yeah. he's not. He don't have a lot of scenes. He plays his dad. He's kind of, uh, yeah, trying to influence him to be more, because he's like a judge. Yeah. And try to be more uh, of like an actual like and it, poli- and politician. What's interesting is a lot of that stuff still comes down to pride. Even when you're quote doing the right thing, it's to like to put yourself ahead. You know what I mean? Or right. go to advance your career. Um, and so even when you're doing the right thing, are you doing it for the right reasons or are you doing it for the prideful reasons? Yeah. That's what the whole Cooper section's about anyways. There's a movie called Candy Mountain that he was in where Kevin J. O'Connor is the lead. Oh my God. He's, a, he's you know, one of the immune. Directed by Robert Frank, mm-hmm. who did, who wrote a book called The Americans. Um, but yeah, that is like a road movie, kind of like a 60s movie, sort of like those 60s road movies, I guess. Okay. I have to see that. And then there's some movie called Good to Go, also known as Short Fuse. Um, Art Garfunkel. Story. As a beat journalist pursuing a murder investigation with the Washington, D.C. <laughs> go-go scene. <laughs> In the backdrop. Uh, look at the poster. <laughs> Jump to the beat. And it's like... What the hell? <laughs> what a random movie I've never heard I've of. I've got to see this. This is just insane. Anytime that Art Garfunkel's acting in anything anyway, you got to see. But the just, Washington, D.C. go-go scene, I didn't know such a thing existed. A story so. purchases and publishes it with the title Nurse Murdered at Go-Go, Music and Drugs Blamed for Violence. Okay. Watergate Complex... Majoring in chemistry, conga player, primarily PCP, a.k.a. Love Boat. I'm just giving a lot of <laughs> details here. Uh, police misconduct. We'll leave it at that. Anyway, uh, yeah, Harris Eulen's great and everything. I, I didn't know that. I forgot he was in this. I didn't know he was in Maidstone. There's a million people in that, though. Yeah. Um, What's the last movie he's been in? Let's see. In a lot of TV, too. Norman, the moderate rise and fall of a tragic New York fixer. Talking about Norman Mailer? No. Place Beyond the Pine. The Family Fang. Okay, weird. Anyway. He's in uh, Game 6, it said. I oh, I'd that. forgotten that, yeah. Um, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. Um, for the main actors. Let's talk about San France a little bit. Now, of course, he made Blue Valentine, which is a... A, uh, I think you said this at the time, the most like a Cassavetes movie that isn't a Cassavetes movie. Yeah, I and think. again, I mean, people throw that around a lot yeah. for people who are movies that don't deserve it, but I think he's one of the few that could live up to that, has yeah. the potential to live up to that uh, designation. But yeah, know? really great movie, um, even better than this, I think, um, of just a, a romantic drama about... Ultimately, it kind of goes back and forth between the like modern lives of a, of a couple that's on the verge of divorce. One of the and, biggest things that the yeah. reviews for this movie said was how, quote, conventional the linear narrative was in right. comparison to Blue Valentine. But Blue Valentine goes, Blue Valentine skips around time-wise. This, right. is, this is experimental in its own ways, but as far as the plot of the movie, it's going forward right. pretty clearly. Yeah. You know, um, Of course, he made this, and he made The Light Between Oceans, which is a movie that was really good, but incredibly kind forgettable. of forgettable to me. Yeah. It's, uh, at least in comparison with his other movies, I thought. It just felt kind of like or any I, other, yeah. you know... Uh, historical drama. Yeah, just kind of like, okay. Romance, like yeah. historical romance. And he wrote, and we still haven't... Uh, 
or was the story credit on. Still haven't seen Sound of Metal, a movie that I guess we'll never see. One day um, we will. One day, eventually. And then something that we really liked a lot, I know this much is true, um, the TV miniseries, which is an adaptation of Wally Lamb's book. Um, it took place in Hollyhock Avenue. Right. We I mean, we, we could do an entire podcast just laughing about the utter sadness of I Know This Much is True. That, that, the sadness but, of that show, there's certain things that really delve into sadness or depressive states that become so unbearable. Yeah. You cannot help but laugh. Yeah. But they become hilarious after a certain point because it's like, you can only stay in such a mindset for so long before you're like, all right, this is I like, mean, that show literally, and this isn't a spoiler, the show literally begins with one of the twins that Ruffalo plays in the show, the one who has mm-hmm. the mental problems, cutting his hand off in front of children in a library, like with a machete. It's like, wow. And it's like, you can only laugh because that's the first thing in the show. And yeah. you're like, okay, um, yeah. sure. But yeah, no. We, we I don't really, know how many people like watching that first week. Just like nope, and just yeah, off, I'm, I'm done, done with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. I, we really quite yeah. love that show a lot. I thought like that was the last truly great HBO show That's that I've point, seen. Yeah. Um, and that was, was like, back, was that back in 2020? Yeah, it was like in the summer of COVID. Yeah, um, I remember. Um, but Ruffalo, and, of course, was outstanding yeah, in that. Yeah, uh, and and Rosie O'Donnell was really good. Yeah. That it had a lot of great performances and just looked really great. I mean, it was him, him doing a TV show, so ultimately in the best yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's supposed to still be making that uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. He's supposed to be making the Wolfman movie. But in general, I think what speaks to me most about Derek C. and Francis' movies is just the utter desolation and sullen nature of life that he delves in, you know? <laughs> Literally every single thing he makes is just like life totally sucks. The one like, that's like know? probably the quote most upbeat would maybe be Life Between Oceans, but even right. that And even like, that's about like our baby has been stolen. Yeah, <laughs> so not really. Or like, now this, now yeah. this movie ends on a kind of a... A mix to maybe slightly optimistic yeah, note, right. but even so, what it takes to get there. Well, is this movie in, inherently dark. being kind of a crime movie, it gets by more than some of these other movies on the nature of being. Oh, this is a little more like up, upbeat in quotes. Well, it, it has more of a thriller nature to well, it. Well, to that like, point, this is the most genre yes, movie right. he's made. The rest have been straight yeah. up dramas. And, I mean, and so, I mean, Blue Valentine is one of the great movie endings ever anyway but i remember we uh, that's a movie i cried at the end of mm-hmm. you cried at the end of i know you told that story about when you watched it on netflix oh you want to tell that real quick so like me? yeah so at the end of that movie i yeah i watched it through netflix streaming and that again i really love that movie and like you said i like this a little better but yeah. i think that's his best yeah. thing he's done yeah, so far I know this much is true is close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the very end, I was honestly crying and like, man, what just what a... And crying not only at the emotionality, but also sometimes like when you just cry because of the achievement yeah. of something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, oh man, what a, just a great yeah. work of art. You right. know? And then like friggin' Netflix, you know how they do. Like once something's not even totally done sometimes, they just interrupt it with like, Watch this next and like interrupt the whole scene. Yeah, because that like, movie's particular too, because it ends with the fireworks going off. Because it's like on the 4th of July or something, ain't it? Or it's like yeah, a random holiday. I think holiday. it is the 4th of July. It was in the like modern day version of it or whatever. Yeah, I think but it there's is like that July. whole moment yet yeah, at the end where it's like, 
showing the fireworks and showing pictures of them when they were together younger. And it's like the movie's not over. That's still part of the movie, you know, and it's like, and you just screwed that up, like, you know. I um, totally interrupted it and just, like, was very incredibly angered me a lot. Yeah. Because it's just like, why does Netflix do this? Like, the movie, as you said, is literally not even over, and here you are jumping in and yeah. just, like, interrupting it just because. Similarly, this is different, but when uh, I went to go see The Dark Knight in 2008 with our cousin Philip, went to go see that at the... Uh, the like, IMAX Discovery Dome in uh, uh, Charlotte. Yeah. And you know how that whole movie ends, like, a dark night. And it's like that last shot yeah. of him. A dark night. And, like, and then, yeah. like, the, the uh, you know, goes all black. Yeah. And then the dark night title card at the end. And then that music, that great Hans Zimmer score. And then immediately the lights come up. And there's like this pre-recorded voiceover thing that said, thank you for being at the IMAX. Now summer. get out. Now, man. now get out, basically. Is what yeah, it, yeah. Basically what so, it bye-bye. But bye-bye. Like, bye-bye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's Toy Story yeah, 2 right. Toys. Uh, yeah. but, but it was just like... One of my favorite things in any movie, by the way, is that... At the, it's And I love Toy Story 2 anyway, but at the very end, it's like, oh, you've sat and watched all these fake bloopers, and it's like, all right, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Oh, they gone? Uh, like, and yeah. I just think that's funny. But anyway. But that was anyway, just, anyway, but just yeah. times that that's yeah. frustrating. But like, yeah. and so I, I kind of, when I think about the movie, I want to laugh, but it's because thinking about that stupidity of Netflix there. But yeah. And um, also just like, like you said, there's the about his movies in particular, there's an inherent comedy to all of it because it's so bad, the yeah. things that happen. Yeah. It's like that scene in that movie where he goes, to, it's probably like the best scene in the movie overall, where he goes to the, uh, where Michelle Williams mm-hmm. is working as a nurse and he's like freaking out and he hits the doctor yeah. or whatever. And it's just like so bad. Yeah. It's yeah. just like you're just laughing. It's very intense and you yeah. feel like you're on the... You're a fly on the wall. Yeah, you're you, not you supposed to You feel like you're seeing. like a patient. Yeah. And you're like, what's going, well, on, you're like, what's going and on? And then it's funny that he like goes outside and takes his ring off and throws it over in the grass. And then he's kind of standing there and he immediately goes to look for it. And he's, and, like, he's like looking through and... Yeah, yeah, and like he can't find... And he doesn't find it, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and then she's sitting there waiting on him to get it to drive home because she's lost her job, essentially, because of this. Yeah. And, yeah, anyway, that's just... That whole movie is one of the, specifically that movie I think about sometimes, has some of the funniest stuff in a, mm-hmm. one of the saddest movies yeah. ever. It's just like, wow. And you can say that kind of the same about this, but inherently there's a little bit more, I don't actually think there's as much funny in this movie as there is in some of his other stuff, just because I think it's so serious, some of the implications, and but I don't know. Maybe is some it, of the Leota stuff we were yeah, talking well, about. And, but, and, yeah, well, and inherently you can expect it more, yeah. I think. Uh, it's it's not as unexpected. But I swear, I know as much as true is just another level of like, oh my god, this and it's is like, so it's bad. It's a lot like, of little it, stuff. It's yeah. like Domenico. Yeah, as, like yeah, because I was telling says. my mom about that last night. Our mom last night, I was telling her about we were doing this movie, and I was talking about how depressing that show was, and I was like. And then randomly, Rosie O'Donnell is in it as like the caseworker for the brother, yeah. and she's talking to him. And his name, his real name is Domenico. Yeah. The the like other, Dom, the, the the normal the normal in quotes yeah. Ruffalo character who's like an alcoholic by the yeah. way. Um, and he's like his real name's Domenico, but he goes by Dominic. But she calls him Domenico all the time. She's like, Domenico, listen to me, Domenico. And he's always freaking and, yeah, out. Yeah, he's like, and, I need you to do this for my brother, like yeah. or whatever. And she's like, Domenico, we're doing all we can, or whatever. <laughs> like, you know. 
And uh, and then another thing about that show, we just talk about that show forever, yep. but is that there's that whole episode of like what we called the Italian Jerry Seinfeld, which was like, it's like a, uh, their ancestor, ancestor several who's generations. Who's like, I'm not even kidding, literally one of the most evil people mm-hmm. ever yeah. in anything I've ever just seen. Just the way he looked. I mean, he's like, He's like if Daniel Plainview was just an Italian immigrant yeah, who right. came to America. Like, he just in, inherently is a foreboding. Evil. But he's not really small. Yeah, he looks he's like, like a rat. Impish, he's like an impish person. Yeah, but he's just like an incredibly evil man. Yeah. Like, and then you, and that's what's so great about that is you realize this is like this family is literally cursed because that woman put a curse on him or whatever. Yeah, and. Anyway, it's just such a fascinating TV show. I, I recommend everybody watch. I really want to read the novel. I've re- yeah. bought it recently. I um, for cheap, but I want to. Do but that. yeah, and it's very much a Cien France product. But anyway, that's all to say that I think he has this very particular um, emotional uh, palette that I just find mm-hmm. very watchable, and that's very much what I, I'm just interested. When I see a movie, I'm like, that's what I want it to be, ultimately, in its own way. And also, the, but, there's going to be an unpredictability yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, and because I think I that's, see, what, yeah. That, that's why he, to me, is reminiscent of Cassavetes, is because when you're watching a lot of those Cassavetes movies for the first time, you're literally like, I don't know where this is going, yeah. and I'm really excited by the possibilities of this, and you get, I get that feeling from his work too. yeah and also yeah and he's like he's not even one of my favorite directors necessarily but he's probably as far as right now yeah. but he actually would be randomly i just don't think of him that way yeah. as much but anytime he just doesn't put out a ton right of stuff. so anytime he makes something it's kind of like jonathan glazer in its own way where it's like oh man the next thing you yeah know? but yeah it's kind of it's, it's kind of like what you said it's like yeah well the cassavetes movie it's like you're watching a woman on the influence for the first time and you're like oh my god this, this stuff's so off and then you have peter falk like i'll lay down on the railroad tracks for you <laughs> like you know and so and yeah, we laugh about a lot of things about his movies too in that way you know yeah and like that whole scene in that movie we just talk about that now too but that whole scene where like they have oh they come home and they're making spaghetti for everybody and for breakfast basically yeah because it's they're like working third shift and she's like oh sam maybe he's like well, you didn't do anything wrong <laughs> like you know and he's like stop it stop with this or whatever you know yeah. and that's a lot of this same kind of stuff but just not so like it's weird it's not as maximal in its absurdity mm-hmm. but it's just so bad mm-hmm. the stuff that people do yep. and the way they act is so extreme and, that yeah. it's like you can only laugh and it's i think like, like him yeah, and gosling are really close seeing yeah. france and gosling because they've obviously made these together and hopefully gonna make the, he looks uh, a lot man. like yeah. gosling too and i think he probably like, sees yeah. in gosling actually like well what I'm guess I'm seeing too is like oh you could be an avatar for yeah. me uh, yeah and I think in this that, I way, think that Gosling fits his movies really well too because he he's that type of actor well, he that, he loves that, modulating between these tones and he's I colors, think, and yeah I know. think that's very much in his wheelhouse to do that sort of thing and so yeah I think he's a really great match for that mm-hmm. um I want to talk a little bit now though about the movie and and the whole idea of the movie being of a movie being novelistic. That you mm-hmm. know, because for the longest time, um, it, it, like going back to film criticism in like yeah. the '40s or '50s, for a movie to be described as quote novelistic was like the highest compliment you yes, could owe it because right. it was like, oh, that means it's like that film is not purely giving way to exact audience expectations or genre impulses, and that it is like becoming this like not just purely a drama. 
but like this lived-in ecosphere of story yeah. and narrative. And again, this movie got compared to a lot of, it got said it was novelistic or yeah. like that. And, you know, another movie around this time, which I think a lot of, clearly it's uh, it's kind of my favorite movie, The Master, obviously from Paul Thomas Anderson, different filmmaker, but that also has like this, you know, this lived-in nature to it. And I think it's really a movie, like, we've talked about this before, a movie that is specifically like in the two hour and 20 minute or up range, but yeah. specifically that two hour and 20 minute range is like Just a very special time to make you uncomfortable basically in the right that's way. That's frankly the like, most uncomfortable yeah. runtime you right. can have. Yeah. Because if you know something's three hours, you're kind of settling in and mentally you're like, this is going to be the song. One of them, the influence, that's another one. That's like two, and, like a two and a half hours. Yeah. It's about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like one of the, in most exciting ways sometimes, now, when a Marvel movie's two hours that's and 20 minutes... That's what frustrates me. Now, I can like put a, up with a drama that is that. That yeah. is an actual movie. Yeah. You know? um, a film. Yeah. A, uh, the, the cinema. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like a movie that's just like... But oh, you know those movies right, can get yes. cut down. Yeah, yeah. And don't need right. to be that long. But, the, yeah, this, though, there's an inherent feeling of, like... Lived-in quality. There's a little bit too much going on here, but I like that about it. It's like, yeah. And, and the way, so, like, a great yeah. novel can be, too. Right. And strangely, out of all the filmmakers that get that thrown at their movies the most is somebody who that shouldn't be as much as Quentin Tarantino. Of his movies constantly get, oh, it feels kind of like a novel. And then, like, there's this narration in these chapters and these yeah, different right. parts to it. And that's fine, because I love Tarantino's movies. But... That's something that gets thrown his way a lot, particularly like The Hateful Eight, which is very much like Agatha Christie in the West, you know, sort of thing. But that... Or Kill Bill movies. Right. So but name. now it seems that with this movie, there was inherently people like, oh, it feels kind of like it would make a great novel. Instead of like, a movie. And it's like... And that's where this partially is going to get into what I'll talk about later with the way that critics reacted to it, is that I just don't really get the problem with that at all, because... This is the movie that this is the story he wants to tell, and we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again at the end. One of the most affecting moments in a movie I've ever had is to when, and it's really impressive when you can make a movie that has a pace that feels longer than it truly is. Of like, okay, this movie's only two hours and twenty minutes. It's not that long. Like it's not like a five-hour movie or right. three hours. But even. when you get to the end of it and you see that pic, that picture that was taken of. The only like family picture they ever had of Gosling, yeah. Eva Mendez, and and what would be the young Dane DeHaan, yeah. it, back in the movie, and you don't ever and see same, the but picture. But also, too, the picture's right. folded. Right, it's got creases. Yeah. And it's got indentions into it. And you yeah. don't ever see that picture in the original part of the movie. The picture's just taken, and it's from a different angle. Yeah. And then when you actually see it, and like I said you almost feel like, oh, I forgot about that part of the movie. Or even a weird thing uh, happens you know, also where you're like, I was there for that. Right. In yeah. the terms of as an audience member, you saw yeah, it happen right. in the movie. And I think that's like, I remember when I first thought that and then kind of was taking a step back and like, well, I wasn't there for it. But like, again, that history that the movie yeah. nurtures. Again, to do that in two hours and 20 minutes is very special. To like create yeah. that feeling. And it's something yeah. that's very hard to and do. And that usually only novels can do. Yes. And so that, I think, is what is so impressive about the movie, even for its faults, which there are some of, and we can talk about them in the movie as we talk about it and here in a little bit. But but that it doesn't really matter, ultimately, because it's like, no, movies never do that. Like, never. Very hard. Like, you know, and I so, mean, I think like yeah. something like The Godfather, uh, 
has things like that about yes. it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that has even more time though. To and it's do also that, about a storytelling economy too, because it because it's true that the movie is longer. It has a lot of stuff going on, but at the same time, you can do all that so economically within that amount of time. That is inherently a storytelling economy, even if people don't think so, because mm-hmm. yeah. if you're able to elicit those emotions with so little amount of time yeah. you're packing a lot in there and some of that has to be implied you can't get every and and you know that's a problem that some people have with the movie i think is that there's a lot of implication and a lot of happenstance and coincidence that has to happen for it to guess what it's a story line up, but yeah. it's a movie it's a I narrative mean, yeah and so yeah but we'll i would talk agree about with that, that more in a minute but i I feel like this is one of the best versions of the movie. The movie is being novelistic. Because, well, there there yeah. is a relationship to this, but well, between this and when people describe television as quote cinematic, don't you think? Because yeah. mm-hmm. now television is in the position where if you call it something quote cinematic, or it's it's like an eight hour movie or whatever, that that is the highest form you can give. But then you look at you know something like I know this much is true. Soon it'll be Vine, or not Vine, excuse me, TikTok is like television. Like, <laughs> like what? how further down can yeah, we go? You uh, know, it's like video but, games or movie, or video games and cinema. And I say this to somebody thing. who, again, cinema is my favorite art form, so obviously know that. I'm, we're in episode 59 of a film podcast, so I think you would know that by Wait, now. Really? What? Uh, like, I know this much is true, is very clearly it would not work as a movie. It works best because it is television. Because it takes time between, and again, this speaks to how we mostly try to watch TV, especially new TV, like giving it a week to go. Can you imagine binging? I know this much is true. I don't think you'd be able to take that. Exactly, but the space that is allowed between episodes that'd literally be the most like miserable experience you could think of. Get a pot of beans and a six pack of Canada Dry and sit down and and do that and see how far you can go. But like. Imagine that, just like getting a big old thing of beans and being like, let's let's but watch. This. I know this much. The accomplishment about, you know? of that show would not have been done no. as a movie, or yeah. could not have been done as a movie. Like, well, it's a yeah. long book too. I think the book's like seven hundred pages or something. So it's kind of long. So I, I mean, there is a similar function now. I think when people say, "Oh, TV, this this TV show is cinematic or like a movie," and I mean, you know, that got said about Twin Peaks. I mean, The Return. Um, you know, that's very clearly a, a television show. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's weird to, like, just debate these things. But I think still, even still with film, to be described as novelistic is more of a flex than not because um, the novel, this is my this is my own opinion. I say somebody who loves film is the best. I think the novel is the greatest art form that's ever been mm-hmm. invented. That's my own opinion. Um because of the depth and the variety and everything that goes into what the novel is an art form is. But um, that is still, I mean, I think this movie earns that uh, adjective uh, yeah. to be described as novelistic because, again, that space of time, but not only that space of time, that the perspective that the movie has, that it, well, does, it is a multi-generational yeah. story. And it's by virtue, Some people you know, are using that as a pejorative, but, yeah. though, with the movie, and that's what I had a problem with because I'm like, oh, it would make a good novel. So yeah, would have made a good movie. Yeah, it probably would, but it also made a great movie. Yeah. So thank yeah, a hole. Yeah. I read that, but yeah, but yeah, and uh, there's something I was gonna say, and I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, like we said, it's the best version of that. I think that we've seen, especially recently, 
Another version of that you see a filmmaker does all the time is Wes Anderson. He does it more in a in a uh, very transparent, very like, and I love Wes Anderson, but a very like a superficial way well, visual, of being a novel. Visually more real. Yeah, visually of like, this section has this. And it's all like more of that neat late 19th century, early 20th century novel. Yeah. Um, rather than, this is more feels like a something written in the 70s or the 80s or something. Yeah. It's more that type of thing. So, it's more willing to be messy. Yeah. Than right. a Wes Anderson movie. And I say it as a fan of Wes yeah. Anderson, but. Uh, this is a random place to go I wanted to talk about quickly, but crime and politics. A.K.A. as Pol- Pitbull likes to say, politics right. is what he calls it. Uh, the reason I want, I thought about this is just that inherently there is an implication in the movie of comparing the two men. Of, and I want to bring this back up because we've talked about this already in this series we're doing all these crime movies that we've been doing. Is that there is this you know, link between crime and politics of like, what's really the difference or whatever. Yeah, right. And we've kind of already hit on this, so we can kind of go past it pretty quickly, but I guess it's just the difference is, is that like, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said it about like, the doing the right thing. What was it you said about that? Well, that just go- that Gosselin's whole character arc is like, uh, us like knowing that he's going to do the wrong thing, but like seeing him slowly devolve into that. Or maybe do the right, the wrong thing for the right reason in the yeah. sense of, well, I do want to take care right. of this kid who I don't actually have to, yeah. even though he should, yeah, obviously. So it's, uh, but well, he could easily walk well, away from that. You're kind of rephrasing right. it even better than I was even thinking it. But yeah. yeah, but doing the wrong thing for the right reason as opposed to Cooper doing the right thing for the wrong right, reason. Right, for the, for the political aspect of like, oh, I want to be in I want to be ambitious. I want to get ahead. Right. Which is partially because of his father. And I think he realizes that in the third part of the movie the third the last part where he is realizing yeah i don't really have a son that really likes me i'm i'm divorced yeah i'm a politician but my life is hell basically and kind of realizing yeah i Was never it all worth it? yeah right and so i think that is a important and aspect we can that, talk but. too about i think this diet does tell right directly into the ambition and i think you said quote competency yeah uh of this i think you know I think if you're looking objectively at this movie, and stay with me on this. Yes, yeah. Uh, the weakest part is the third part. Mm-hmm. Mostly because you start off excited with the first section. And that's clearly the most like immediately exciting aspect. And I think it was designed to be this way, yeah, by the way. Right. Because I think this is part of the point San Francis is trying to make. The middle part is like this confusion... Yeah, that you are literally confused. Is there that a pro- it's like, the movie's like, is there a problem? Like, <laughs> you're literally confused. Yeah. First time seeing this, like, wait a minute, Ryan Gosling is now dead. Yeah, uh, he, and now Which, all of a sudden we didn't talk like, about it. We'll talk about it in the movie a very kind of pathetic death, by the way, where he's like falling out the window and he just shoots the goofy, gun off. Yeah. It's like like that. Yeah, yeah. which will laugh. All of a sudden, you have a new lead of the right. movie, and you're literally like. How also, his, you his introduction in the movie is so sudden, too, because it's like, I love, that's like probably the best part in the movie, actually, where it's showing a cop car chasing him. It's like, I think yeah, he right. goes past the camera. Yeah. It's like the it's like he's sitting in the car and he goes past the car and he turns around, the camera turns, and it's like, oh, Bradley Cooper's in the movie now. Well, literally, and it also it's also like, like it's his yeah. movie now. Right. Literally, yeah. it, the, literally, the perspective of the yeah. whole film. And the movie changes. is already, the perspective, like I said, is already changed before he's even dead. And uh, yeah. I don't but. think, I don't really remember any of the reviews bringing up Psycho in any way, but I mean, mm-hmm. this is a very Psycho-esque yeah. change of yeah. point of view in terms of right. what the movie's about and how it obviously yeah. evolves or changes. And so, 
the second movie, you're literally disoriented. Not unlike Cooper himself being disoriented as like, well, I killed this guy. I'm being held as a hero, but I'm frankly kind of uh, guilt-tripped about it. But then the whole confusion of should I do this thing that's going to hurt these people for myself. And then he wants to give the money back to even Mendez's character, and she doesn't want it because they find that money. Because they were looking for, or essentially they were looking for that money so they could have it. Yeah, they were going to take it as like, right. just, and uh, so the they were just like, well, we're going to act like we're really looking for the evidence, but we're just going to steal it out of the room. And even but, Mendez even knows that they don't have a warrant to be here. Right. Or they don't have any legal basis to be here. Uh, and then the third act, which again, it just lacks the... It inherently lacks the novelty that you're thrown yeah. at with mm-hmm. Acts 1 and 2. But the third act is literally tax time. It's literally like, all right, now we're going to deal with the legacies of those other two men's decisions that we've As seen As our happen. old friend Brian uh, Malcolm would say, tax time, yeah. <laughs> we play, play Monopoly. Monopoly. But, yeah, no, you're right about that, I think. And that, that like you and said, the, that's an the, intentional that we're gonna, denouement, I think. And you know. this is true of life. It's true of movies. We just don't like facing consequences to yeah. things. And the third act is literally a, is the consequence of everything that came before it. And so that inherently, as a viewer, models us into being disappointed by it. Yeah. I think is it, I think that is almost inherently part of the design of the movie, is like to be partially disappointed, partially like let down, partially like 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 there's secret parts of ourselves being exposed by this not yeah. being as good as what the past versions of and so while I think it's the weakest, it doesn't matter because, like... That's inherently written into the movie. Yeah, well, that's, it's it's you, part that's of the, the DNA movie. and the yeah. architecture of the movie, but also, like, even though it's flawed and not as great, again, it goes back to that flawed masterpiece idea, is just that what came before and the ambition of what all this is trying to be, yeah. for me, forgives yeah. the failures yeah, because of the third act. And you think about it. Would you want to see two hours and 20 minutes of the first part of the movie? And ideally, in my head, I would think I would, but that would run would dry. Really? That, that, mean, but yeah. that would right. run out of steam. Would you want to see two hours and 20 minutes of the second part of the movie? Again, I could imagine a version right. maybe doing that, but ultimately it would run out and of steam. And, of course, you wouldn't want to see <laughs> yeah. two hours and 20 minutes of the last part other than you died. I mean, imagine two hours and 20 minutes of you died. That's your effing died. But yeah, in some ways, and, you're paying to see three movies that yeah, happen to right, have an overarching yeah, right. point to and it. And so, yeah, that's what I was going to say about the whole thing. Like you said, is like that people, all the reviews, it was like the movie is so ambitious. The movie is this. The movie is that. And it's like, but I don't know. And it's this whole hand wringing. And I get it. You know, sometimes when a movie like that comes out, you know, people we've lived with this movie for a while. We yeah. love it. We're fans of it. But, like, I'm just inherently kind of angry when I read those reviews because I'm like... What do you want? What do you want from... Like, and I get it because they have to watch... I, and I try to think as a critic yeah. a lot because of the way people criticize things because it's like, oh, it's just another movie to them. Well, but, in, in many ways, 10 know, years from now, what are people going to be saying about 3,000 years of long and all? Yeah. There's going to be people that are probably yeah. thinking what we think right, about yeah. this movie about yeah. that, you know? And so, yeah, admittedly, and maybe I'll feel that way eventually. I don't yeah. know. But... It's just weird to me because they're making all these... But it's clear that you can read every one of those reviews that they're like, there's something to this movie. They feel uncomfortable by it. You can tell while they're writing it. That they're they're perturbed by it. Yeah. And they're like, it's ambitious, but I don't know. Yeah. And they feel like they're like... It's almost like a visual representation. is them like leaving, but they keep kind of looking at it like they're like... 
Yeah. Wanting to It's like, be what's more? behind that dumpster so, outside Winky's? Right. Like, you know. Yes. <laughs> There's a man that lives in behind this place. The way he says that. <laughs> Stop this. Like, um, <laughs> is there a problem? Uh, but uh, that's that whole movie in a nutshell. Mohan drives like, is there a problem? Like, <laughs> like yeah, there's a few. Is that, you sure you want to join me? Yeah. Like, yeah um, but yeah, that's just what frustrated me with each of those reviews is people like basically on the level of saying that it was great and it's ambitious. And it's like, I get that. But like, there's no other movie like this, especially now. Yeah. You know, it feels very much like a movie you'd see in the 90s. It feels yeah. like, oh, this was a movie that was made in the crime, that kind of crime movie era that was made of these really ambitious movies that were made. But it was made and it's like, okay, oh, just to leave it, oh, it was ambitious. Yeah, it's probably ambitious because it's also great. Yeah. But I don't want to be too hard on these critics because, like, like you, you know, said, I, I get mean, it, you know, whatever. Yeah. They see a lot of movies and whatever. But I don't know. I just found that said so many times, it started to kind of get under my skin because I was like, okay, you keep making these excuses for why not to love a great movie, it felt like to me. And I say this to but, someone who thinks and believes that Blue Valentine's is a slightly superior movie to yeah. this. A lot of them were talking about that also. Yeah, like, well... Right. That was really great, yeah. and this is not as. And good. admittedly, I saw this before I saw that movie. But so, also, and I say yeah. this is weird and counterproductive in some ways. But Blue Valentine is just a more immediately understandable and quote safer movie. I mean, I think what it's dealing with is intense ideas yeah. and feelings. But you've seen a version of Blue Valentine before inherently, and that's no criticism of Blue. I mean, Valentine. it's kind of a it's Noah Baumbach movie, but. Like also a Cassavetes movie, but like, like putting some slime on it a little yeah. bit of like a very not. I don't mean that, but more working class, right? Bombach movie, sort of. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But I think that movie's just the, like putting the stank on. It's it, easier you know I mean. to categorize a movie like yeah. that in your head. And again, that's no criticism because I like it a lot. Than it is this because this is literally wanting to kind of piss you off a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I remember the first time seeing it, being so shocked by the turn it takes uh, in the first third. And then even by the, when the, the second turn happens that goes into the final third, I was like, not as surprised, but also like, all right, what are we doing now? Like there still was a sense of disorientation with it. Um, and again, like you said though, it's like critics talk all the time about wanting to see something new, want to see something different. And then they get given it it too much on now it's this thing. Now it's that, and they think about oh, it doesn't work or whatever. And like, and I think that way too a lot about the way that movies are supposed. Most movies are supposed to have the structure, and they do this thing. And normally, I do think that way. But even for movies like this, they all have this sort of structure, and this tries to go against that. And yeah, maybe is some of the oh, now it's a revenge thriller at the end. It's like, but I don't feel that the movie didn't earn that personally. A lot of people acted like, oh, that's kind of too sudden. Like it was just thrust upon the right. movie. Right. Like, no, I mean, we're all, dealing, it, we're all dealing in these tropes that exist anyway about the, fa- the, the wronged son who lost the father getting revenge on the man who took the yeah. father. I mean, it's all very basic. It's not that it's complex. almost biblical, yeah. And I think that's what some people had a problem with is, oh, now it's doing that. And it's like, yeah. but that's all this ever could have led to mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, the movie so, feels to me inevitable yeah, in terms yeah. of the plot. Uh, and, by the end of yeah. it. And I think people were somewhat just annoyed by the AJ, funny, AJ-like figure of AJ at the yeah. end of the movie, too, of like, this died, like, yeah. guy, you know. <laughs> and I get that, but it's like, but that the whole point is that's what the 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 sins of each father are are kind of almost, uh, it's, it's weird, it's almost like an opposite. Like, that should be more the son of 
the Gosselin character, and he should be more the son of Cooper. But that, I think, also belies the inherent kind of caring and thoughtfulness of Gosselin's character, which isn't as remarked upon in the movie anyway, yeah. that I think is there. And the kind of emptiness and baseness of Cooper's character, too. So I think it all it all fits and it all works is ultimately what yeah i, I mean it, but, like i yeah. said um this movie to me is the, the for me personally the textbook definition of a flawed masterpiece and flawed even is a little bit strong of a word for what i mean i guess i guess it's a flawed masterpiece to me is the movie that has like certain a plus plus 10 out of 10 aspects of it yeah but also has third things also, about it you died but you died <laughs> like it also has things that maybe doesn't yeah. work, but I think part of the things that don't work about the movie were either intention or designed in such a way as to that part of the brilliance of the movie comes from certain flaws the movie has. Yeah, and sometimes in so, often case that's more interesting than a movie that quote does everything right and is quote perfect yeah. in a conventional sense, which there's no movie that truly truly perfect. Uh, but you know what I mean, like just yeah. And so, like, when I say that, I say that as a big fan of the movie. And I think the the reputation of the movie has grown a little bit, but it's still not even, like, killing them softly, I don't think, yeah. exactly on, like, film Twitter mm, in yeah. terms of a movie that people are, I like, think they make a great double for. feature, too, just yeah. because they're around the same time, they both have Ray Liotta and Ben Mendelsohn, but they're pretty different movies and about very different things and have very different dispositions because... Obviously, Soft is a very cynical political political movie, whereas this is also about politics. Yeah, but um, is about you die. But it's ultimately. like quote novelistic. But it's, and a, the, it's about you die. You died. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess Killing Softly was novelistic in the sense of it was literally adapted yeah. from a novel. Yeah. It's actually interesting too that I always forget this that the the screenplay you name the names, it's like three different people worked on it. Yeah, and I wanted. Well, to I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to look about that because there was actually a detail I thought was really weird about this movie. Um, that first of all, he was inspired by the uh, San France by the 1927 silent movie Napoleon, which uses the triptych three screen technique to play out multiple stories at once. Okay. Um. So says the birth of his second son reignited the idea. Uh, I started, sorry, I faltered. I was thinking about the son of the son. Yes. Um, and he started to think about being a father again, responsibilities involved. They got me thinking about the fire I felt inside me, which had been with me as long as I could remember. <laughs> it helped me do many things, but it was also many times a destructive and painful force, he said. Yeah. Uh, said he was inspired by Call of the Wild. Um, what ancestors had to do were survival. That reminds me of the... I think this much is true, also. Or I know this yeah. much is true. Yeah. Um, he met Ben Chocio, or Cocio, similar interest in books and films. Right, They began writing a screenplay. Uh, then they had Darius Martyr join the project four months before principal photography began. So they kind of just had people come on, I guess. Anyway, it says here, the thing I thought that was most interesting, he was still working on Blue Valentine, uh, which stars Ryan Gosselin. In 2007, Gosselin told him about a fantasy which involved, quote, robbing yeah. a bank on a motorcycle and then making a very specific getaway. San France told Gosselin, you got to be kidding me. I'm writing that movie right now. <laughs> Shared numerous identical ideas. Be another opportunity to work together again. San France envisioned the story to be about fathers and sons, masculine identity, reinvention or transformation of the self over a man, of a man for a man over a period. Took me a long time to get that out about legacy, what we're born with, and what we pass on. It's about the choices we make and how those choices echo throughout generations as a classic tale of the sins of the father being visited upon the son. 
But, um, yeah, and of course the movie, yeah, it says Cochio came up with the title from the Iroquois translation of Schenectady, The Place Beyond the Pines. It's a very poetic title, I've always thought, yeah. too. I actually didn't know that that was a, a translation yeah. from Native But Americans. anyway, I just think that's funny that it's like, hey, I got this idea for like this guy riding around robbing stuff in a very specific getaway. It's like, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> That just shows yeah. you that like they were on the wavelength yeah, together. Like, Let's just like, film guys running around <laughs> screaming get on the ground like you know and we obviously haven't said anything about the opening of the movie which we're going to talk about in a bit but just is very much a ah yes yeah, well, a lot of the reviews brought that yeah, up yeah yes summertime kind of opening um this is a really but, random thing to say i guess we're about to wrap up soon yeah uh we didn't say anything about blue valentine about michelle williams yes michelle williams is amazing yeah. in blue valentine yes. and mm-hmm. she's honestly one of the best actresses just working mm-hmm. today is specifically i think of her in that uh, Brokeback Mountain, she's really amazing in. She plays Heath Ledger's uh, wife. Kelly Reichardt's movies. She's in those, yeah, yeah really Lucy great. And, uh, uh, certainly she's in the new Venom movies, I think, also. Good for her, getting paid, I guess. She's uh, going to be in the next uh, um, movie, the uh, next uh, Kelly Reichardt movie, too, I think. Is she going to be in the Fablemans? Uh, yes, I think so. Is that her that's going to be in that? I can't I remember. I think so. Uh, but she's just an amazing oh, yeah. actress. And her and Gosselin, both in... Uh, um, Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine yeah. are both really special. It's always interesting on a actor's IMDb when it says like known for. Yeah. Oh, and then of course and, she was really great. She was only in like one or two scenes of uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Blue Valentine, Manchester by the Sea, Take This Waltz, and My Week with Marilyn, where she played Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Uh, Some time ago. Yeah, she is going to be the in the Fablemans co lead with Paul Dano. So. Two great actors. So And then <laughs> Seth Rogen's there. Yeah. <laughs> but David Lynch will also be there. As John Ford. Maybe, yeah. Is that officially confirmed? That's what it says. Oh, it does? I, well, that's what I, I, that's what it says where that I That was seen. what was speculated. Uh, because this is really going off topic now. Uh, but uh, if you have, like, With there's, a camera. Like. <laughs> there's, a, there's a story Spielberg has told about meeting John Ford when he was very yeah. young. That his impression of John Ford, a lot of people said, sounds like David Lynch, just yeah. the way he does his voice right. or whatever, and so people speculate that's well, and that be. and that's inherent. The movie is autobiographical about, and also just uh, David Lynch's age. Right. Obviously, that would and make And so, sense. yeah, I think I think it's pretty much more or less unofficially confirmed. That's what it is. But can, I can never think of a time where a famous, really big director has played another big director like that. That I don't know. There's even yeah, because comparison. like. Yeah, I can't think of any anybody because, I mean, even you have some, and this isn't exact, but the only thing I can think of similar to that is like John Huston playing a director that is kind of like Ernest Hemingway yeah, in The right. Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. But that isn't like an official And also Ernest Hemingway wasn't a director. Yeah. No, yeah, right. but, but like... Uh, like iconic figure. Uh, right, and so yeah. that's the only thing I can think of that's even similar to that. Um, Anyways... Yeah. Last thing. I just want to say about Michelle yeah. Williams because she's right. a great actress even though she's not in this, but whatever. Why this movie? Because it's great. Yeah, that's, that's why. Because it's our, it's our podcast yeah, well, we're, and we can decide yeah, well, what we're we We're big do. fans of it and yeah. really love it. And it's literally our our type of movie. Everything about it, we're yes. like, yep, that's what we like in a movie. So, yeah. I mean, from is there, the... Is there a problem? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. I, I, for me especially, like... It's nearly ten years removed from when it came out. 
I'm just also very nostalgic for a certain era of movie from the 2010s when this got made. Yeah. And I love the actors in it. I really love seeing Francis' vision, and again, I, I really look forward to more seeing more things from him. Yeah. Because he feels like a genuine... You know, again, we said, oh, it's like Cassavetes, like this. He feels like a, a genuine new voice, though, too, like that yeah. he's doing his own thing that uh, some things Cassavetes wasn't even you know, right. doing. So, um, again, yeah. I mean, and I think this is a really good, we're get, coming to, towards the end of this series yeah. of these movies. And I think this takes a, you know, a very different dimension of story compared to a lot of the other movies we've yeah. just done. Right. So. You're going to hear the trailer coming up for uh, Place Beyond the Pines, and then we're going to dive right into the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Luke and the Heartthrobs. Is Romina here? Who's that guy? He's yours. Don't going to tell me. I heard from you over a year. Just took off. My son and I should be around him. I wasn't around my dad. Looked the way I turned out. How are you going to take care of us? I can't think of another line of work that I'd rather be in. You're so smart. You can do anything you want. Just don't understand why you're doing this. I'm a cop, Chad. Got a kid? You want to provide for that kid? You got to do that using your skill set. And your skill set? Shit, damn. Everybody wants to live, put your hands in the fire! 105 in pursuit, suspect. 104, I got a visual motorcycle. Tom, it's for me. I'm still his father. I can give him stuff. Hey, I'm Officer DeLuca. We're here to search your house. What for? We're looking for the money that Luke Lanton, mayor, may not have given to you. 14 grand. The lion's share is going to our hero. This is your problem. This is our problem, and I'm bringing it to your attention because that's what I should do. I want to do two in one day. Yo, get up! I'm not going to let you bring us both down. There's a way out of this. You're not going to like it. I've always had a fondness for that trailer, mostly yeah. because of, again, going into the movie, how it primes you into thinking or assuming it's going to be one thing, and of course, we're yeah. going to see how it's And then not. when it's not, it's like, is there a problem? Yeah. Um, the rating, it's of course rated R. Language throughout, some violence, teen drug and alcohol use, and a sexual reference. Just one. Just one sexual reference. I don't even remember where that comes in exactly. Isn't every human being a living and embodiment of a sexual reference? When yeah, you think it's about like... It? We're all here because, yeah. well, you know. Well, this movie especially, yes, it would literally. be because literally the whole plot. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he just said, yeah, maybe he just I wanted had to throw a that child. In. <laughs> just, this whole movie's about you know legacies, fatherhood, like the sins of the father. So, 
We're watching this off the Blu-ray. Yeah, this is the uh, un well, it's Focus Features put it out, but Which it's a universal distributed by Universal. So it's a very crappy Blu-ray as always. Um, and we say that as someone, as people who have watched a lot of Universal movies on here. That's right. Um, yeah. We're we will, and this will definitively let you know by episode fifty nine. We are not in their pocket that their Blu rays are garbage yeah. for the most part. <laughs> like the menus suck. They're always and it's weird. It feels like they made all of their Blu rays back in like the early twenty tens, and well, then they just stopped new. making them. Right. And it's like it seems like every one that you get, they haven't updated them at all, and they just like sit there and exist. This is really weird. So but, we're going to hit play yeah, anyway. in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I'm sure this movie's streaming somewhere, but... I'll actually sure. look and see real quick. Go buy it. Mm -hmm. Go buy it and just do it. San France needs that bacon. He's probably about literally. That's, a, that's a last name, by the way. I've never heard of. Yeah, I don't Sydney Kimmel. I was like, was that Sydney Pollock and Jimmy Kimmel's love child? Like, speaking of love child, which uh, Sydney I think's different than Sydney Pollock spelled, but whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, something serious is going to happen. When... Uh, it's actually not streaming anywhere right now. Okay. But well, I guess you could pay to rent it, but yeah, you yeah. could, yeah, easily, but. Just the concept of verisimilitude, or like, what is your opinion in general on the long take? Because I feel like I mean, we've you know, talked about people it like to make general sweeping generalizations. I feel like there was a time where in cinephile culture it was just like very much celebrated, just blank, yeah. like blanketly, and then there was like a movement against them. Yeah, and really, it just depends on the movie. I mean, yeah. a lot of people like took issue with a lot of um, once and in a retu movies right those are uh, yeah, and obviously yeah. Birdman is a like an attempt to simulate or act as though the whole film is a single long take you know um, I felt like that worked better in The Revenant that that fit yeah. the movie better, the whole movie didn't but, try to do that either right. or even have that illusion it had long takes in it but um, you know his newest movie is actually showing it um Venice. Yeah, I've heard it's kind of getting mixed reviews. Yeah. But, and also with this movie in particular, it's like, okay, but it's a Derek C. in France movie of Ryan Gosling walking through a carnival to get on a motorcycle that's in a cage. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like, how are you not going to be into that? You know, like, I don't remember but, all the details of this. I think Gosling did a lot of his own stunts. Yeah. For this movie with the motorcycles. But yeah, I mean, I, this works clearly, but that's just the whole thing that I. Yeah, I think I a lot we of people have not liking about, it yeah. is performative. We probably have talked about it on here before. I just don't remember because it's probably been at some point. But. Yeah. Everybody's waiting on him. Mm -hmm. These are all people that are probably very clearly a part of it, and then some of those right. other ones are extras in. But this guy, I've always wanted to know yeah. about what his deal is. Yeah, really. <laughs> Like it used to be like a Bret Hart roadie or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd love to see CM France tackle the world of like pro wrestling. That would be yeah. something interesting to see. Thing about this though that you can tell he just has no camaraderie whatsoever with any of these people. Yeah. You know, just like whatever. Just like whatever. Yeah. 
handsome Luke. This is very like, wait, why do people do this exactly? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's like cool looking, like, but this is a very, very upstate dangerous. New York thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now they gotta get locked in. Make sure they're in there. Even got like, the little place beyond the pines logo, right? The, yeah. Directed by title card. It is just like totally insane. Yeah. It does look very dangerous, obviously. Yeah. But I wonder, like, if you get hit, you wouldn't fall very far or go very far. That might actually help you. Yeah. I don't think. Imagine <laughs> being that. a parent standing off to the side and your kids go to get an autograph from a guy who looks like that. And the worst thing is he's got a Metallica shirt on. Yeah. That sets the... What kind of sicko? I mean, you know. <laughs> As Iggy Pop said yeah. way back when. Y'all remember that, you know? It was episode, what, like three? Yeah. <laughs> or four or whatever. Switchblade 327. I bet that's like his favorite movie. Well, Snow Day. of course it wouldn't be because, you know, he wouldn't be around for yeah, it. But that was, too, that was the biggest tragedy of his... Children laugh and squeal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. One thing I do like about Universal Blu-ray Zone, we talk about this, is that they move the subtitles around. Yeah. It's like that's the one thing they can, like we can offer, you know. No one else. That's it. Doing. You like F. Jasmine? You have plans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet he's a big Carson McCullers fan. <laughs> like handsome Luke Hart, like you don't even know handsome Luke is like he's got tattoos all over him mm -hmm. like ain't that handsome <laughs> sorry to tattoo fans out there but <laughs> tattoo aficionado yeah. I know um, I've heard Gosselin talk about, again, we've said he's a big horror horror guy, like loves Halloween, all this stuff. He said that one of his biggest fantasies as an actor was to like play a character who people went to Halloween as, and he said Drive was like the biggest yeah. version of that for him. But I wonder how many people have ever went and was like handsome Luke Glanton, you know, yeah. from this. But.
tell me I'm a good place to be on the pines. That's what he's about to go do. You know, look into the water, stare at it. Like, it's kind of upstate New York's always look beautiful. I mean, it's reminiscent in some ways to me of the mountains here, I yeah. guess, like Western North Carolina. That his legend grows. Handsome Luke and the heartthrobs. Yeah. And it's just like the same show as last night. Did it again. This is one of those last, uh, one perfect shot shots yeah. that are up a lot on film Twitter. I couldn't one forget Hanson yeah. Luke like like do what <laughs> a real O S a real O S what up like W A D D U P not what up no what up not what is up uh, what is up that a Boris Karloff Frankenstein tattoo on his hand <laughs> a child <laughs> so, uh, but I myself am a child is what he's thinking so yeah we're gonna talk about this Yeah, that 90s Pepsi logo there. <laughs> and that's something that kind of the first time you're watching this, you're not really necessarily noticing right. that it's a slightly older, I mean, it's not even drastically, but just slightly older time period. Yeah. Because there's also just a lot of small town America that still has yeah. that look. Anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say, is most diners look like they're from the 90s still. Yeah. It's like... Basically, whenever they were built or mm -hmm. re rebought by somebody. It's like there was that uh, where our great aunt and uncle lived. There was that bottling plant that was right there near it that they eventually tore down that had that uh, same Coke logo on the side for like ever. It was like from the 90s. It wasn't yeah. that old then, but yeah. like, you know, that one like the bottle being mm -hmm. popped open. Mm hmm. It might even be a law. Yeah.
Muhammad Ali. He's not the stepdad. He's the dad who stepped up. Yeah. Well, well, let me smoke this cigarette. thinking where can I go buy a crib you know like, yeah <laughs> pay period Jack I just did yeah <laughs> I love that's all that there is to like, yeah. no more of that scene. Yeah. Just like, yeah. So you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> you can't quit. What do you mean? What are you gonna keep me here? Like Yeah. There's no contract, like <laughs> Sign the contract, big boy. <laughs> Is this shirt inside out? Yeah. <laughs> Church. <laughs> Who the hell are you? <laughs> Kofi. We need to go. <laughs> how bent that cigarette yeah. is you get me on him ooh like that yeah is that a Wrangler so I'm just gonna hang out here for a little while just to... so he does go to the church and he's out there like very ornate looking church yeah that's what I'm saying I think it's kind of funny about this town is it's like how big is it actually like yeah. you know I just wonder like I don't know a whole lot about synecdoche so yeah me neither I'll do just a little bit of research on it just to see here. It's in Schenectady County, New hmm. York. Population about 67,000. Okay, that's actually kind of State's big. State's ninth largest city by population in eastern New York. Welcome to East New York. Yeah. Confluence of the Mohawk <laughs> and Hudson Rivers. Okay. 
So yeah, then it is actually kind of big. Yeah, it actually looks like kind of big, you know, yeah. biggish yeah. area. Yeah, it's not that far from the coast. Yeah. Well, actually. Meanwhile, than I thought. Kind of forgot there's and yeah, there's all these other states. states yeah, right I was there. gonna say I was. Like, I think there's more yeah. states. There. It's interesting that with this character, there's not a whole lot of backstory immediately given to what kind of person he is. Obviously, there. He talks about later that his dad was garbage, but mm -hmm. you know, meanwhile, yeah, love this total appearance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I will race him. <laughs> like, cool. He's like, I am a deadbeat too. <laughs> if they met on like deadbeatforums.com slash schenectady, like just yeah. the regional, you know, the regional music. uplink. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how even this character can look better than yeah. the killing them softly character because that one just looks like total oh, yeah, trash. It's like a, yeah, total yeah. degradation. I smoke too. It doesn't say anything. It's like yeah. a wolf or something. Just like it's like the weirdest thing ever in Fantastic Mr. Fox of the wolf and that. I was just like, what? Like some effing motel. Like he's been kicked out a bunch of places. Yeah. yeah. No one can kick me out of it. Like, yeah. you know.
there's like 40 minutes of deleted scenes just of them hanging out here. Yeah. Like. Very, all this very, reminds me of kind of a suchery, like people just yeah. hanging out like, anyone stay here a while? Yeah, I guess. I guess I ain't got nothing better to I do. I guess I'll work for nothing, yeah. Take a ride. Yeah. It was like right there under the Yeah. Right under the bridge where the camera would have been. Maybe it crashed. What? I got a look at saying. Oh no, by the way. It. Four times. Then rob a bank. They don't ask questions <laughs> that are very justified, like <laughs> Don't be a child. <laughs> Toxic masculinity. Yeah. Can I get the pie? <laughs> I want the pie. So he wears all his shirts inside out. Who would do that? He's different. He's built different. Yeah. <laughs> A drive moment. Yeah. 
it was like it was a real tell me I'm a good place beyond the pines moment. Tell me I'm a good pines. <laughs> it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in front of a bank you're going to rob. That's a good idea. <laughs> He's acting like we can't see him. Yeah, I you know. know it's just like, like, we see everything you're doing. Like, no, he don't like being vulgar, I don't know. Open cube truck. I should have a little yeah, acting school they said. Yeah, what happens? That. What happens when it's like, all right, let's check it out. Yeah. It's like, Oh, uh, well, he kind of came by already, and now I'm just kind of sitting here waiting on my friend that robbed a bank. That's kind of what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Thanks for asking, officer. You can go. I've not seen a lick of Starsky and Hutch ever. <laughs> I've not even seen that Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller movie either. Maybe not Ike Mantini. He left. <laughs> cool. Vintage robber stance. Uh-oh. I think you're getting serious. <laughs> this song's always just kind of made me laugh. A bank that has a tilting logo or rotating logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Just uh, checking things out. It's all he wants to do. Now again, this remember a lot of this, you know, was Ryan Gosling's own fantasies. You right. Know? <laughs> Can't forget that. Hands in the air. I love how he's not at all doing what uh, he recommended, by the way. Yeah. Which is just walk in, say, oh, give me the money. Or... I mean, this time works out anyways, but. Yeah. yeah.
Lovey's like, well, I can't get the dog back home to play fetch, so I'm going to get this guy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> Free rides. <laughs> With the, the yellow or the green sunglasses. Yeah, Or me like copycat crimes this spurred by people seeing this movie. Probably like one. Yeah, like one. And it failed miserably. I mean, like he does eventually, you know. But, yeah, the person, like, didn't even see the end of the movie. Like, this yeah. oh, this is a great idea, Lee. And like, yeah. was like, well, maybe you should have stayed and watched. Like, for, like, 20 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or even just generationally the effects right. it has, you know. Yeah. It's not even you die, but, like, you know, scars your child for life, like. Bad boys for life kind of mm-hmm. situation. Cube truck. You gotta love a cube truck. Yeah. Really is the way to go. That was pretty successful. <laughs> After you uh, do test administration for EOG, yeah, all this, yeah. Like throwing up, and then like, oh, cool, <laughs> the Springsteen blasting, of course, cassette, probably, yeah. Wow. This is the good old days as far as this yeah. movie's going to be concerned with. <laughs> We're like, oh, you. Oh, like dancing what? in the dark fades. Like. <laughs> He's a child. <laughs> okay. Like boy, he's not a baby. What kind of house are you running?
That takes something could be sweet, but it still like my effing face. Yeah. I don't want that. No. Get out of my face. <laughs> as Vlad would say. It's like learn the ways. Are you a director now? <laughs> anyway, no, yeah. Looks like it's becoming more performance art for him at this point. You know? It's presence. Jason gurgling. Cool. He does for a living. No. Whatever it is, at least it's a real. Dog yeah, he's there. actually something. Yeah. Shit if we get out of the house. I'm letting you keep 
You do you do. Well, probably the baby's crying because it's just like a baby. But you know, it's also just because this situation it knows yeah, instinctually is just like this is ridiculous. <laughs> Our house phone is ringing at the yeah. same moment that happened. That's why I laughed. But is that okay? Phone's ringing. Great. Yeah, this is a good situation. Is it not refuting it? Tell me I'm a crazy place beyond the pines. Metallica. Again, at least he's faithful, you know. I mean, this, that's fan. where all his craps come, comes out, you yeah. know. <laughs> St. Corleone would say, that's where all his Irish crap comes out. I mean, he's helping the baby sleep, so, I mean, in effect, inner Sandman. It's over. I mean, yeah, it's going to be over. The sirens are always approaching. You know, his character and Pattinson's character in Good Time should have collabed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, at least he was willing to go down for it, you know? He was yeah. like, yeah, all right, I'll go to jail. I'd, you know. It was like he's crying. Was yeah. Like, <laughs> that shot's too. Yeah. Yes. Is that, is that your name? <laughs> You're the policeman you figured out. I mean, you know... He clearly looks Defend like a not Dan. guilty. Defend yeah. Dan. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you gotta not do that. Yeah, I think that's kind of the charge, isn't it? Like, yeah. You need to refrain from that. It's like he's in a little bit of a better spot now, right. you know. I want to do two in one day. <laughs> wow. That trailer line. Well, if that's followed up with that. Yeah. What is going on with him, yeah. by the way? Is that, was he wearing mascara? Yeah. Like, 
Okay. Those got that fish on the wall. Like he caught that, you know? Yeah. It's like he's been through a whole thing that we don't see. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> it's over. Like, it's like, was he kidnapped and like, for- look at that shot. <laughs> and forced to like, put on like, mascara or something. Some weird, uh, sensual thing I don't know and then he's just like you don't even want to know man like it's like what like I had a kid uh, kid I have at school was sitting in the car rider line the other day and there was this uh, real beat up looking black van that was mm-hmm. driving out real old and he said oh there's a kidnapper 9000 over there <laughs> I thought that was so funny like, no offense if that was you listening. yeah they won't know <laughs> I mean, you never know. Anyway. funny he's like oh yeah i'm chopping this thing up again there's like i don't know there's like there's some leaps of like yeah. why exactly is he going yeah. this sharply with it which yeah. is not really a problem it's just yeah like, that is something i've never thought about watching this i'm just like why are you doing this like His group chat. Yeah, it's like his life <laughs> is over, literally. I mean, like, still wearing that Metallica shirt. I think that's what the problem is, by the way. <laughs> Let's leave Asteria on his. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It all stems from that. I mean. Hey, are you kidding me, bro? After all we've been through, after all the dance nights, yeah, and you're gonna do this. Well, he's got the gun. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Like, <laughs> like I said, this is their part in moments. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I love it. It's like you do that to somebody yeah. and then you are just going to sleep like yeah <laughs> like he's not going to do this yeah. a version of this 
He had it on it too. Yeah. I love. It's literally the dumbest decision this guy's ever made is to like do that, be asleep, have the bail money on him all in one f- fell swoop. You know, mm-hmm. the new bike. Well, it looks not very nineties. Yeah, very Power Rangers. <laughs> That's what should you know what I would love is the house he goes in when he gets killed here in a minute. Yeah. If Power Rangers would have been on T V Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that's playing while like that's nineties X Men. Yeah. <laughs> love how he's clearly not into this. Yeah. And he keeps doing it and it's like Don't even have his glasses on. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Hey, guy. Yeah. Indeed. Wow. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Mm -hmm. It's not his usual bike. That's part of it. Yeah. Usually they were never this close to being right behind me either. Hollyhock Avenue, is that where you Basically, yeah. (laughs) Domenico. Cemetery. That's where he's going to be soon. He's taking a visit, you know. He's like, oh, I like this. (laughs) Picking him out of spots. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. I want this place here. This place beyond the pines. Yeah. <laughs> this, I really, we should have had at the final moments of the movie, Dane DeHaan, like, the climactic moment with him and Bradley Cooper, like, this place. Yeah. This Why did you make me bring you to this place beyond, beyond the pines? Yeah. And he's like, what? Do you ever panic when it's towards the end of the movie and they've not said the title of the movie? Yeah, a little and you're bit. like, oh, no, like, we're running out. Like, uh, in between the first half of this episode and this one, we saw Jaws yesterday. Yeah. Uh, in 3D. Oh, there's, there's our boy BC. Um, and I was getting kind of, it's like, you know, when Jaws, like, when are they going to say it? Like, you know, <laughs> these Jaws, you know. That should have been Quint's last word. Yeah. Jaws! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably was because they kind of, you can tell, cut a little bit of it out when he died. Yeah. That's probably what he was like, and then Jaws. Like, and you then can died. go on deleted scenes and for the, the yeah. Blu-ray. It used to be the VHS and find like excised moments of him spitting out even more blood. Yeah. And, Meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Can't even get up. like. 
Yeah, he's all he's in this now. Yeah, all by the way, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah, lock the door. What are you doing? This movie, you know, was BC. Now it's you know before Cooper. Now it's AC after Cooper. AC three sixty. Really sure what his plan is at this point. Mm-hmm. There should be like that. Should be like a picture book for kids. Is like A B C Cooper. It's like A for Anderson, B for Bradley, C for Chris, yeah. D for D B. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> uh. mm. not gonna work out. I don't think. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of your own house. Yeah. He knows he's at the end. For the good you've done me. Yeah. Yeah, might as well. We know we're uh, not going to be riding the bike again. Chewing that gum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some lady, <laughs> yeah. Real, you are such a super lady. And I'm so lonely. Lady, yeah. <laughs> Did you want? Did get at least one off. Yeah, Just, we know. we talk about that all the time and joke like if you're ever in that situation, you gotta get one. Yeah, right? get one off. Yeah. You know? If you're ever in a crime drama, if if, if your you life get, is a crime yeah, drama, if your life has devolved to this point, that's the last thing you have. Yeah. Like, wow. Again, it's not even about hitting anything. It's yeah. just like just for the spirit, you know. But yeah, this is uh, fifty minutes into the movie, and it's yeah. like okay. But I remember when I first seen this, like, wait, so he's dead now? Like, what? I think he's dead. Again, we found a uh, 
little like a junket interview with Cooper and Gosselin, and they were kind of laughing and basically like, yeah, we only got one scene together, basically, and it's not a, you know, much dialogue isn't exchanged really there. You died. My dad. My dad. <laughs> That's my effing dad. <laughs> my dad. Yeah. <laughs> What's my dad doing here? That's yeah, like weird pointed thing to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, specifically Gosselin and Cooper. Yeah, they were laughing, laughing about him like, uh. Because they're like, this movie's very funny. Yeah, it's, it's like, not, I mean. No. I mean, we've been laughing yeah. most of it, but. I guess they're like us. They're just like. Yeah. Actors probably think most of the stuff they do is actually pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I know I would. They probably also, when they watch each other, they're like the little mannerisms they decide to do. Oh, like how you picked up this coffee cup or, the yeah. bubble, you know, this little thing. Like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that name Wiz was. Wizardowski or Wizard of Wester Place Bowski, I don't know. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's on Boardwalk Empire. And of course, I mean, he's probably walked on a boardwalk. Bruce, yeah, that mustache. Yeah, I always forget that because you know most things is like nope. Literally, this movie's like this actor, this actor, this actor, this actor. Like okay. So obviously he looks very very clean cut early on in the movie yeah. here, and it's gonna look more you know he's gonna, when he ages he's I guess that's a way to portray that. But. He's thinking about it, like, hmm, how can we spin this? <laughs> okay. <laughs>
definitive lie told. Yeah. I love earlier he's like, did you tell me that? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I keep thinking of Alex Cross. Every time yeah. I see his name's like that. Avery Cross. <laughs> Which I've never read really. Or, isn't that whole series of books, I think? Something, yeah. yeah the Moto Bandit, by yeah. the way. <laughs> but we used to laugh all the time. I know me and our cousin Phil, I think you did too, about in the trailer for that. So, Alex, you're going to want to... You're gonna want to hear this. Yeah, it's like, like, you're gonna want to prepare yourself. Or for you're this. gonna want to prepare yourself. Yeah, I think they did something to his girlfriend or wife or something. I don't know. Of course, like Matthew Fox was like the yeah. the serial killer villain in those you know, in that movie. <laughs> I hadn't even been here a full month. Yeah. uh Home moment in the uh, Edge of Darkness trailer. Craven! (laughs) (laughs) So loud, like. Going about that hustle grind mentality. Yeah. Cool. All right, Bubby. Anyway. Nope. I haven't thought about it one bit. <laughs> Not shooting. I'm actually having to be a father and a husband. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I just wasn't really signed up for that. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. Let's call my lawyer. <laughs> yeah, like, why? <laughs> he feels like he needs a lawyer yeah. present for his therapy sessions. Yeah. 
It's never crossed my mind. Cross. It's never Alex crossed my mind. <laughs> no, I think he's having a hard time looking at his son because it's the one who will eventually say, You died. You died. Hadad. Well. Speak up. Is that an answer? I guess it's his own yes. Yeah, it is. But... Okay. Okay. I mean, we got to think of all like Bradley Cooper's parenting moments in cinema. Most famously, uh, American Sniper. The and like, baby. You know, again, yeah. he gives two performances in that scene. It's pretty breathtaking. Right. That guy. Well, uh, actually, we don't, but. Anybody with any modicum of class, the moment that they see that the wife would say even well, they'd yeah. say, no, we're going. But, of course, that's not who these people are. Yeah. So. DeLuca, as you said earlier, <laughs> what a name. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Problem? This is big line, like you said. We just want to introduce him to a bunch of people who really admire what he did. Was that the order of dirt bags yeah, he's gonna like, be inducted into tonight? In about twenty minutes. That's how we want to even run, but we are on duty. Wow. Is it, he's like just finding new ways to just be He reminds me of somebody bad. that we know, that's all I'll say. You might could figure out who it is, but <laughs> we'll talk about it later. If you're interested in us spilling the beans on who that is, please email us at HuffmanBrothersProductions at gmail.com. Yeah, and he's Again, not a cop, but that's, that's all Huffman I'll say. Brothers Productions at gmail.com. Yeah.
Is he's not a cop, but but he is associated with that thin blue line. Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Don't you love little gifts? Little goodie bags, like, you know. Gutierrez. Gutierrez, you mean? Like... So let's add that into the mix too. So he just goes around people's houses, yeah. like, let me have dinner, let me have coffee, like. You got more spaghetti. You know what I mean? Spaghetti and coffee. Uh, the parmigiana, you know what I mean? Um. Nothing is, too, about this section of the movie is that, obviously, um, Police brutality and police corruption have been kind of timeless topics in a yeah. lot of ways, but over the last ten years has been even more of a talking yeah. point, especially following a lot of police shootings and whatnot. Well, and then, and, and this would have been a little bit before. The, well, uh, would have been after Rodney King and some other stuff that happened in the nineties. But still, like I said before it was a really big thing. Twenty tens is later on.
Well, that was where it was. Yeah. Are you good? More like I'm bad is what you mean. I'm bad. Yeah. That'd been the needle drop to have at this moment, you know. Wow. <laughs> Again, sorry to see in France next time. If you have the stones, you'll do yeah, it. Yeah, really. <laughs> JK Derek. Is there a problem? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> to our hero yeah <laughs> that voice unofficial hazard pay <laughs> take the money no was there a problem It should be said at this point he does feel genuine guilt about all this, but again yeah. how and he does eventually turn these guys in, but again it's for his own kind of selfish reasons too, but for personal reasons. I'm gonna take this moment, take a bathroom break really quick, so mm -hmm. I'll be right back. As you can see here, his wife from the window sees, sees up to something strange. And another thing, too, just as a point of contrast, I think, between the... We hinted at this in our introduction that first and second parts or portions of these movies is how kind of, you know, the first, a lot of the stuff with Luke is taking place in diners, is taking place at kind of fairgrounds, fairly working class, you know, uh, locations. But then, of course, here, this is taking place in like a little bit nicer homes, press conferences, uh, therapist, therapist office, all places that would be a more upper middle class uh you know just locations or locales which that alone right there is inherently setting apart this uh points of comparison between who these men are as people you know now we get to see him and his dad kind of splish splashing Yeah, I heard what you were saying about different locations. And then at the end of the movie, it's like really nice house, a school. It's like a lot more domesticated as the movie mm -hmm. goes on. 
What was up with the lighting on his face yeah. there? Yeah, but people didn't know that. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like... Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said in one of the reviews, I think, about his coat. Like, yeah. oh, it looks so bad, the whole movie. It was the 90s. Yeah. Plus, I kind of like that look, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Screw you, you know? <laughs> like, Sorry, you're a real, quote, fashionista, end quote. Like... So you say everything twice? You related to Jimmy two times? Like <laughs> immediately, like all right, facade. People's reviews of the movie. <laughs> Not three. <Yeah>. Not three <laughs> sections. <laughs> maybe <don't>. two. Like. <laughs> the evidence lockers you know person whistling tune it's connected you have a new vice uh yeah big vice problem you know yeah like, really <laughs> this doesn't have to happen you can just walk away. I'll take care of your drugs. Like, <laughs> I'll snort them right here. Nobody, nobody has to know. Like, <laughs> it's not the kind you snort. Okay, I'll do it anyway. We'll make it work. It'll happen. Don't worry. We really should reprise that. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. That money I didn't want. That now you're like, oh, we helped you. This is how it works. It's just, it's been raining here all day. Mm-hmm. This is still pouring now. We need that rain, though, you know. I'm actually kind of glad I was going to wash my Bronco today, and I was just like, yep, you just you know, just do it, whatever. You do it. I need you to do it. I need you to do it. I need you to do it for I'll me. I'll take care of you doing it. <laughs> I'll take care of you doo-doo. <laughs> And that's sounding like uh, Vincent Piazza or something like Yeah. Take care of it. Take care of your duty. Are you on duty? Yeah. There's the picture. Makes mm -hmm. a reprise. And then it'll make a final reprieve. Mm hmm. <laughs> I love every man has their shed where they hide things, you know? Yeah. The dirty secrets they have, you know? I love it's like 90s $20 bill, you know? Yeah. Every era has its $20 bill. Which is yours, hmm? <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. We heard this before in the same parking lot. Yeah. Well, she just slammed into that red car back there and kept going. Just mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. That's the initial moment, too, that he was actually originally going to give it to her, yeah. but then he's like, well, fine, I'll do this. Shit 
Rat out other cops. Do the right thing. That's what you're going to do. That's like, what you're going to do. What's ethically, you know, the, the right thing to do. <laughs> he was screaming. <laughs> what the F was I supposed to do? Like, you know. You know what I mean? Him and, you know, him and uh, Cottel's character from Bad Lieutenant, you know, they should have collabed in the same way that, uh, you know, Robert Pattinson's good time character and Luke Glanton and this should have collabed, you know. Oh, well, what could it be? Wait, who collabs with who now? So, like, again, Pattinson's <laughs> yes, good yes, time moving character. Yes, yes, on. What? <laughs> from this. Yes. Saying him and uh, Bad Lieutenant. Oh, uh, okay. Harvey Cattell. Well, that was collab. a quote from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, but, yeah. I know. I was oh, just okay. thinking about him, yeah. though. Meanwhile. <laughs> that music. Yeah. It's like, we are looking at you, and my gun is here. It's like, okay. I'd give him the finger, just for giggles, you know? Mm-hmm. Just for a gaggle. It's worth a Google, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Saunter. Yeah. His eye here. Mm-hmm. It's like he's hiding a little bit. So where we're going to the arcade? Yeah. One of the local Hickory Dickory Dock, like. Because I smell a rat. Like, it's just the, you know. In this case, you should be the rat, but, you know. Yeah. Had the window down, mm-hmm. like <laughs> how slow he's driving, too. Mm-hmm. Taking his time.
it's interesting too that like the decisions that both these guys make are almost to the point of vomiting like yeah. you know what brings them to that you're gonna talk to pops And in the same way that all these other collabs should happen, this guy should have a collab with Robert Duvall from Widows. Yeah. <laughs> Probably old friends. Classic, like, uh, up north somewhere two cops who are maybe not good meet to talk about bad things at Little League games. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Probably replays that later. Like, hey, I'm a rookie. I made a mistake. Yeah. It plays again. Like. <laughs> yeah. No, cool. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll you'll figure it out, you know. <laughs> oh, he's like, you're not going anywhere. He's like, watch me, like, <laughs> hey, watch me. Yeah. All three things are, right. yeah, what, yeah, yeah, whatever.
No, is that, is that, does it ever say the place beyond the pines? It's like, well, it says Schenectady, so. The music. This is some music that was in uh, There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Moto Bandit. <laughs> Handsome Luke, the famed Moto Bandit. <laughs> Infamous, excuse me. Excuse me. No, no question. <laughs> Meanwhile. All right, part three. You died. Um, yeah. Coming up. About 15 years later, like, oh, okay. <laughs> there he is. Mm-hmm. You died. <laughs> When that moment happens, what are we even going to do? I mean, we're just going to sit here, I guess. Like, we'll laugh. We'll have our little yeah, moment. We'll move on, and then we'll keep saying it and saying it and saying it. Like, <laughs> like you're already annoyed. I will not be. We will not be stopped. Like... Wow. Before he fell into the coma. He's become a Yellowstone stooge. <laughs> that was Al. This is his toy barn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Son, you want to come with me? Son? Son? Hello? Sure. This is your father. I'm your dad. I'm, this is your dad. <laughs> this is Lancaster dad. Dom. It's your effing Dom Cobb. What about him? Wow. 
Al Smith dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, real New York kind of lifestyle going on. You're my dad. You're my dad, but I don't know my dad. <laughs> It's interesting too that he's the new school. Yeah. Or he's got he's the new the new school. He's the new student. Yeah. Not the well, way uh, well also his dad was the old school right. now. He's the new school. He's placed beyond the pines the next generation. Mm hmm Meanwhile, this is where the coincidence happened. Yeah. I should have had, like, also Mendelssohn's son. Like, yeah. He had a son, you know. Maybe that was, like, the whole other hour of the movie that they didn't add. Yeah. No. That city that doesn't exist. Kind of reminds me of Casey Affleck. We should play Casey Affleck's son or something. I personally also love the thermal shirt with t-shirt over it. Yes. Look, so. yeah. <laughs> I'm not even being kidding when I say yeah. that. I actually do do that. So. What? Yeah. <laughs> what is this bully by the game yeah. where it's like, oh, you got to go to class? Like, yeah. All right, let's go. The reprise of this music. <laughs> yeah, this is a lot like that. <laughs> Give the anarchist a cigarette kind of situation. I like smoking cigarettes when I'm high. 
so stupid. He's like, this is lame. So I told him that his dad was dead. He's like, oh, man, well, I want some eggs. You got any, <laughs> what, the Playboy kind or, like, Malcolm what kind? I don't know. <laughs> Malcolm Little kind? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where wholesome things happen, you can tell. Yeah. Ski neck. He's still there, huh? Yep. He's Looking been, older, he's more yeah. defi- dignified now, though. Mm-hmm. Campaign advisor. Aimless youth. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that, like, totally against the law, but yeah. Door closes. Well, you want me to say, Dodd, like. Ow. He slammed his, his head, head against that doorstop. Look at me. Is this easy for you? I 
dog. Under effing stand me. I always love a good inner, an interjection, just like an interdiction, you know? Yeah. Not enough evidence to interdict. Not enough evidence to Pope Benedict. <laughs> Meanwhile, dude. Hey, dude. <laughs> An aimless youth. I'm guessing, yeah, he pretty much said, yeah, let him get off on that. Yeah. Got an update. Yeah. Car update, you know? <laughs> no, I'm going to do not what I'm told. I'm not going to do what, I'm, what my I'm, dad I'm gonna told. I'm going to go against what I've been told. By my dad. From my dad. He ain't got any right to be mad at him. Yeah. He's a bozo that wanted him to get it. Like The moment. What about it? Uh, almost looks like a young Tim Robbins here, I think. Ding dong. There we go. His name is Jason Can Cam. Like, there's no B there. Yeah. Like, my dad. 
like a random time to bring that up. I always forget there's another there's a sister yeah. that another girl they had, had I guess. My dad. <laughs> I can't hear that word yeah. now anymore. Not like... <laughs> anyway, but really. I mean obviously he's really yeah. his dad, basically. Yeah. You know. It's fun, something I never thought about. Oh, he's taking him out for ice cream now instead of him. Yeah. You know? He'll think, he'll see my effing face. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> actually. I'm gonna do that. I'm feeling today. lucky. That's what, yeah, what <laughs> if he did that? Yeah. I'm feeling lucky. I'm gonna try that out someday. Just type in Luke Glant and see what comes Just, up. Yeah, we'll Moto that. Bandit. <laughs> Dress like Luke Glanton. What? It's, it's a, a YouTube video. video. <laughs> This place beyond the pines is a true story. No, <laughs> like stuff. Foxes by Luke Glanton. Apparently, there's maybe a musician named that too. Yeah. Why Luke Glanton is great? <laughs> He's not. <laughs> we gotta watch that. Vanderhook, don't forget. Yeah. Mean. There he goes. Glanton. This is how you spend a Saturday. So there's apparently an Instagram page called Memes by Luke Glenn. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. you go check that out <laughs> yeah. whenever you get a chance. What's he, what is his whole deal here? I meant to say something about this earlier. He's got the weed, like... Yeah. Logo. Love, he's not went anywhere, done anything. Yeah. He's been on ice. Yeah. Looks better, we'll say that. Yeah. Even though he's still I mean, like... to be alive, you kind of have to get a little better. Oh, yeah, from where he was last time we saw him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brains like that's what you mean, brains. 
Okay. <laughs> They're not that goofy. They're just kind of really. Kind of destroyed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So we just kept that camper the whole time. Yeah. Like, well. Yeah. No doubt. That same shot as earlier, but on a bike. Yeah, not a motorcycle. Yeah, he said, I had forgotten. Is that such good friends? Like, yeah, the last conversation they had was like pretty one sided with a gun in his mouth, but you know, yeah. Nah. Is any schooling getting done here? Yeah. That's what I think a lot watching Euphoria. Yeah. It's like, what are these people's grades right now? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> dad. <laughs> yes, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Oh my God! One of the most annoying film characters ever. Yeah. Like. 
Yeah, he gets his, though. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Tonight at my dad's. Greeting cards. Yeah, get a get a I'm sorry card for him. For who? I don't know. And then get like a funny dog card for Mendelssohn's yeah. character. You know? Oh my dog! Like I don't know if earlier I was just looking if you would say anything about the box office really. It's no, it had no, a fifteen million dollar budget, yeah. but had a forty seven million dollar return. Or no, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah it did so make it made money a nifty back. Line. I got that opposite when I looked at it earlier. Now, I was trying to remind myself what Mendelssohn's character name is. You said it earlier, Robin Vanderhook. <laughs> yeah. Very unsuccessful. Muffled hip hop playing. That's the only kind like, I ever want. Like, yo, you know that hip hop you like? We're gonna muffle it a little bit. Put a muzzle on it. <laughs> Muzzled hip hop. How disinterested he looks. Yeah. How Robin Vanderhook he's looking right now. Yeah, bro. There you are, bro. Where's my drugs? I want to get high. Like. <laughs> okay. I think it's a good idea to take those with alcohol. No. There's a lot of not good ideas in this the whole movie. In this feature film though. Yeah. He looks unwell. He needs a cure for this wellness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, like. 
like those goats that are like. I guess this is the first moment he realizes yeah. who, you know, the whole deal. Well, if instead of showing that, it showed that picture of that woman on the wall. Yeah. If and AJ's died. I don't think he actually even would have known. Right, yeah, it's like, why would that, yeah. street spirit fade out situation that shot in particular he looks a lot like more like Gosselin from afar yeah. I guess it's that whole kind of sort of effed up look yeah, you know yeah. just kind of like oh I've that. been beaten almost to death yeah I look like trash yeah look yeah, yeah. right that whole veneer They've also aged Eva Mendez a little bit too with the yeah. makeup. You can tell, make her look a little older. What happened? What's going on? <laughs> a little balloon. Get well soon, balloon. Get well, get well soon. Like, will, we this family get ever, well. will this family ever get well? That's what I want to know.
I always love that like first look around, like, hmm, what's going on? And then it's like, wait, what? Uh, OS, what up? Yeah, sure. I'll totally. It's clearly in a great, healthy spot right now. I was like, yeah, we'll definitely do that. Uh, We'll definitely collab. (laughs) I would never want to drink anything after that, man. Well, Well, at least that was it. Okay, good. Well, at least he was nice enough to know that was... He actually made a good decision there. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, well, that's it. I'll just drink the rest of it. Okay. Throw it away. He was due for a good decision. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So awful person. It ain't that big a deal. I never thought he looked that much like Bradley Cooper's uh, Rick Cohen, but it's fine. Meanwhile... Anyway. Don't you love it when your day's going a certain way and then like and all of a sudden the guy who you killed son comes back to collect, ago, you yeah. know? Well, I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. Who among us, you know? Hasn't. I mean, those without sin cast the first stone. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There's a certain kind of irony too of him entering this house and him waiting for him as opposed to right. earlier what the situation was, you know. Mm-hmm. That was vague about what happened to the, yeah. him, you know. <laughs> okay. We're going to go where DeLuca took you, okay? What if, like, DeLuca's son's, like, an honor student, like, yeah. you know, just, like, actually turned out really good despite his own, who his dad was? He's trying to organize a Quidditch club. Is there he's a getting bullied for it. <laughs> like, that searching look, that Tony Soprano gonna kill. Yeah. Ralph look like mm-hmm. huh like is there a problem this is the place I think we're gonna go to the place yeah you know what's funny is at this point he hasn't asked at all about his son he's just like he's I know he like, does here in a minute yeah. but it's just like he's probably hoping he's dead <laughs> like at first and he's all I gotta put on a front so I can survive <laughs> that's, all, that's what it's all about That's Steve Carell. Yeah. Mmm. I just burnt my tongue. That's what he's thinking. 
I walked in through the door. I turned the keyhole. It's not exactly true. I'm asking a question. The music cue. Mm -hmm. It's like when your bowels are in distress, <laughs> like his are about to be. It's really interesting. There's no big grand confession or no. exchange of words or ideas here. It's just kind of obviously, I think, a lot unsaid. Yeah. But, you know. kept that with him all that time yeah I'd slightly forgotten the context that he sees yeah. that and uh... Grand Theft Auto of the uh, windshield wipers were still quiet. yeah yeah <laughs> it's kind of you know really... randomly fast for it not raining at yeah. all but <laughs> it was a different time So what are we gonna do now? Like, how are we gonna deal with this situation? Mm -hmm. How are we gonna deal with the legacy of your dad?
strange also I've never thought about that this whole situation also helps him again yeah. to win and just how kind of perverse that is yeah. like but he's doomed to succeed Yeah, I never even thought about that too. Said that though, that yeah, it just helped him again. But of course, the implication is is that he's going to be more of a father, like, yeah. You know, but. Lots of mail. Yeah. that meth head vibe reformed meth head yeah meth head with a purpose <laughs> yeah if you got meth you got a purpose <laughs> instead of you got a false you got a purpose <laughs> <laughs> like it could be uh, Jesse Pinkman's long lost brother or something yeah upgrade from the bike that uh, Luke had. Yeah. Luke DeLuca. <laughs> he took the money. And it's funny, this is so obvious, I didn't think about it either, is that the that money eventually did like go to him and that he bought that with it like yeah it's like I've always been riding it yeah didn't even answer him it's like yeah. whatever
he's just a natural i guess the implication is yeah it's a very autumnal movie actually by Mm -hmm. the way too And a lot of people said this in the reviews I thought was interesting I didn't think about either is that the movie doesn't ever say definitively of what he's going to do with his life of whether he's going to be more like his father or not you know and which I kind of respect because it's just kind of shrugs and says I don't know like okay yeah the Bonnie Bear song here um yeah, and I guess just we're naturally more optimistic people that I, yeah, I, I my reading is, well, yeah. I'd like to think he's going to become more positive, yeah. but, you know, again, it, uh, that feels appropriate for the movie, though, that yeah. open-ended question, because yeah. uh, the whole idea of can we break the cycles of the legacies that we're born into and mm-hmm. whatnot, you know. Do you think um, there could have been more development at all with Cooper's son a little more? So that feels like that is a little short-changed. Yeah, I think there's kind of a scene missing there, I think. I mean, there's the shot of him standing up there on stage that it has a lot of implication, I think, mm-hmm. about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there could have been more of that, I think. Because it does but, feel like the whole last third really is more of Dane DeHaan's story. Yeah, right. More definitively so than his. But, um, you know. If it, the movie would have been a little longer, yeah, they probably could have had a little more of that. But Yeah, because it's interesting that that section of the movie begins with Emery Cohen instead of Dane DeHaan, which is not how I remembered it. That yeah. It's like, he just kind of comes up in the movie, like, you know. Any new thoughts or impressions from the movie as a whole by the end? No, of I mean, I still time? think it's great. I mean, I think that it, watching it this time, I was just thinking about the movie a lot and, and watching it, it is kind of weird when it makes those time differences of the different sections but then by the end it always reinforces itself to me i think yeah so well i mean part one and two happen pretty quickly after one another part three it does do the time jump more that's larger time but yeah i mean like i said this movie to me is uh, everybody has their own definition of it or what typifies it but for me this is the kind of uh blueprint or the default setting for me when I think of the term the blue plate special uh, 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 flawed masterpiece flawed masterpiece yeah. and again flawed's a strong word because flawed implies that there's certain things about it that pull it down I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily say that it just yeah. in terms of the imperfections of it and again a movie of this ambition it doesn't really matter if it doesn't quite hit all of its marks because the fact that it just tries to do what it is yeah. like again it was compared to a novel in some cases like a great novel has just such a scope to it and you feel like uh frankly might be too strong a thing to say a, a different person from the beginning of it than you yeah. were by the end yeah though, you and, know? All, and like just how it's not a long movie really mm-hmm. but it really watching it just this time it feels like hours have passed to me watching it which is a good feeling i think for to pack it a in, movie yeah. like that yeah but Thanks to the Snicky Police Department, which is not corrupt, but it's like, <laughs> who did not die, kind of, you know. Um, but, yeah. But yeah, still great. So, again. Get on my hype. You can tell from earlier, we're, you know, I'd say we're big big fans of seeing France, and hopefully yeah. we'd love to see him make more and more 
you know, The Wolves, Act 1 and 2 was the name of that Bonnie Bear song, by the way. Filmmakers like to think there's a lot of names there. Altamont Fair. Altamont, yeah. I bet that's where they had that, yeah, that fair at. That Altamont, all the terrible things that have happened there. (laughs) Oh, well. So, yeah, again, that's Place Beyond the Pines. So, pause it there. That nearly wraps up our podcast, however, and also we've got one more film in our 10, uh, 10 film uh, crime sauna, saga sauna, saga of crime sauna, sauna. sauna of crime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Might as well be. Jeff, what have we got next week? Stay tuned for scenes from our next episode. So let me ask you something. Do you think I look like Humphrey Bogart? No. Well, you see, that's interesting because I'm a big film buff. Bogart was the best, the king. When I was in the joint, there was a movie producer who was in there with me, and I I says to him, I says, do you think I look like Humphrey Bogart? He says, well, yeah, you do, but a stretched out version of him. (laughs) It's a fantastic story. So where are your boys? I don't bring them to stuff like this. No? Nah, they just know what they need to know. Okay. Should we order a bottle of wine? Yeah, 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 that sounds good. So, Greco tells me you're a heavy guy. (laughs) I'm not referring to your weight. I mean that apparently you are a gentleman of some power and influence. Well, I try my best. It is a shitty economy out there, so we all got to work overtime all the time. I heard that. The king. Uh, (laughs) The best. The king. And, you know, I want to say about... That was, by the way, Dog Eat Dog dog by uh, Paul Schrader. I do want to say about that, I think... Shredder. I do think it's interesting that we actually are ending this movie, or ending this series of movies on this movie, because we didn't start with a Bogart movie, obviously, Mm -hmm. with Each Don't I Die, and that feels like forever ago now since we did that, with the George Raft, James Cagney movie. But there is, obviously, I think it is interesting, that movie, Dog Eat Dog, makes such a big deal about the whole, like, oh, um... you know, oh, Bogart and those days of crime movie that I think it's actually kind of apt. We haven't planned this to end our series yeah, on Dog Eat Dog. we didn't really think about that um, necessarily, but it's funny though. Yeah. Again, genres have certain, you know, just icons of them. I mean, you think of a, like a more recent quote musical like La La Land. I mean, it makes a big deal about, oh, it's got these Gene, Gene Kelly-esque elements yeah. to them or, you know, um, Ginger Rogers and... Um, uh, Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. And yeah. so like every genre has these icons of them that we associate with them. And yeah, I mean, even that scene kind of shows you that Bogart remains that all these years yeah. later for crime. But films. what I think Dog Eat Dog ultimately has to say for itself, which is many things, many very <laughs> interesting things. you got to say things, for yourself, Dog Eat Dog? Um, is that it pretty clearly is like, oh yeah, but none of these people are that. <laughs> it's interesting though that there's this whole effort in the movie to make Nicolas Cage be, oh, he's like Bogart. And it's like, no. Yeah, he's right. not that. Yeah. Nobody in this movie is Bogart. Like, And that's pretty much Dog Eat Dog yeah. as a whole thing. Now, Schrader is clearly such a big part of really new Hollywood onward. Uh, kind of comes in and out and destroys lives along the way um, in pretty much all his movies. But uh, it's interesting to me that the last so many years he's seen a strange resurgence yes, um, right. of like n- not only his that older is. work but just newer movies. Um, 
Now, we have yet to see Dying of the Light, which we might try to do before that. Maybe we could try to, because I've got the Blu-ray, another movie he made. I would like for you to also um, see the card counter, maybe yeah, if we, we could do fit that it in, too. because I really thought yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, because I've seen, uh, obviously, First Reform. First Reform, which I was kind of iffy on. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie. But it's interesting, that, and of course, he's having another movie showing right now at uh, Venice, um, and, and so... But what I think is so weird about Paul Schrader, and I think why we're going to be doing this movie, is that this movie is so unlike these other more serious, thoughtful like movies, yeah. in the sense that it's just so absurd, so inherently darkly comic. Um, what's your reading at all on? First of all, maybe Schrader, and then also just Dog Eat Dog as a just as by the way, I couldn't Master Gardener. Master yeah. Gardener is the name of his new film. Yeah, I know um, it was something pretentious sounding. So yeah. yeah, so Paul Schrader to me is someone who my favorite filmmaker is Martin Scorsese. For a great many years, was always a lesser, and that might sound strong, but just like oh, you were the one who wrote Taxi Driver, the screenplays. I think whenever Raging I think Bull. it don't matter anything yeah. he ever yeah. does good or bad or whatever, he'll always be, I, I think whenever he dies, hopefully many, many years yeah. from now, he'll always be Paul Schrader, comma, screenwriter of Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. That Anybody who would write a movie like that is going to be... This that was totally his, yeah, that, and that's his know. only thing he wrote with him that is totally original because you had Raging Bull, which was based on a person's life and a book. You had also Last Temptation, Last Temptation of Christ, which was based on a book and was mostly a Scorsese product anyway because he wanted to get the movie made. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then you had Paul Schrader make all these other movies like Cat People, which I haven't seen, or uh, I know... Uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters is a big movie. There's that um, one I Blue saw. Blue Collar. Uh, recently, uh, uh, the Willem Dafoe one from Light the early Sleeper. 90s. I love that. Yeah. That was actually, I thought, really, really good. Yeah, also, uh, he's uh, someone uh, that yeah. I, I generally like and have actually grown fonder of in recent years. I think it is interesting, though, like you said, that Dog Eat Dog kind of comes at seemingly the tail end of him making these more... B genre movies, and though they share a DNA with, like, say, First Reformed or The Card Counter, these more recent two are really um, maybe him him trying to do a little bit of a turn of the page. It should be said, like, a lot of the main characters of his movies, a lot has been written about this, of almost the spiritually the same person in some yeah. ways. I mean, especially when I look at The Card Counter. Uh, the first reformed, I think, which was his big, a lot of like people who had not paid attention to him in some years were all of a sudden like, oh my yeah. God, Paul Schrader's right. made this return to form thing. I mean, he, they're journaling in many ways. It's like, oh, this is Travis Bickle in a new setting or a new context. But um, I think his new movies are, I guess, an attempt for him to kind of do a little bit of a reckoning and a little bit of a clearing of the slate of maybe a certain type of movie he's made a lot of in the past and is yeah. trying to do something new while also working within the tradition of narratives and stories he's done in the past. Right. Dog Eat Dog, again, is interesting in this with because I've only seen it once. Um, I've, You've seen it twice. I think yeah. you're like, oh my God, yeah. you've got to see this movie, yeah. Dog Eat Dog. Yeah, because I, I... Well, no, we had watched it together. No, that's um, right. I think and Phil, then, our cousin, had maybe recommended yeah, it to us. Yeah, and then I took it down to college oh, okay, and yeah. was like, hey, y'all got to see this movie. 
like yeah. and they were like um okay because <laughs> it was uh some friends of mine one of them who was a who's a big i think kind of schrader fan um and had seen i get i think it was a big fan of first reformed and some other stuff i don't think he was really all that into it i remember it was just kind of like whatever and i was like no no this movie yeah. like and i don't genuinely think it's all that great yeah but it's just so insane of a movie and so unnecessary too it's just a very i mean the whole opening of the movie is just like what and mm-hmm. so disgusting uh depraved yeah a provocative weird I, yeah and it's just that it's a perfect opening to a movie like i mean it's kind of <laughs> kind of reminds me of this a little different but the, we always talk about the opening of nocturnal animals it's just like what is this yeah. like um I mean, but, yeah. and, you know, Willem Dafoe's been in several of his movies. Yeah. He's arguably the antagonist, if there is one, of the card counter, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives a very unhinged performance. I think we've talked about this before. Willem Dafoe, I mean, his whole career has been special, but especially the last really, like, 10 to 15 years of yeah. just the sheer volume of movies he's made. Mm-hmm. I mean, on par with Tilda Swinton in terms of just, like, just the sheer amount of things they've been in. Um, and how daring he is as an actor. Yeah. We've never really talked that in depth about Nicolas Cage on here before, yeah. so it'll be a chance for us to think about and dwell on him and whatever he means. I think that he actually, that's a good fit for him. I think yeah. sometimes he's in movies that he is the focal point and he has to even try harder than he normally even would. And I think that's a good movie. It's like, well, he's obviously the a focal point, but there's yeah. a lot of other crazy stuff going on right. where it's not just all on him. And then there's that other guy yeah. who I can never remember his name, <laughs> but it's just kind of there, and it's like, what? Yeah, but, yeah, the whole movie's just like a lot for no reason, it seems <laughs> like, and it, and so, which is strange because for his other movies, you know, that have been out, uh, it just feels very much like, Okay, you know these have this certain kind of pretensions to them, or more, or about more things. This is just very much like nope. This is just what's going to be. Christopher Matthew Cook is that guy's name, who is in movies as vaulted as Escape Plan, Two Guns, and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Yeah. So there was recently a, uh, um, it's him at Venice, I think it was getting interview. We saw this just the other day, and he said something like, "I've spent so much of my life and career." wanting to say f you and now um, i want to spend my life and career saying i love you all right and yeah. like, maybe that's the transition that he's going through over the last like so many yeah. years. that and that, that was that, which well, is and strange Doggy dog to, is his last statement yeah of f you yeah because know. it's strange to think of first reformed as a i love you because of how just screwed up that movie is of the things that happened in it but it is ultimately i think a very desperate humanistic statement that I don't chafe at for the statement. I chafe at more for like, this is just kind of a little bit kabuki for me. It's a good movie, but, uh, but, but I will be interested. We'll try to watch the card counter soon. And, and before that, that movie, again, the randomness of it features a romance between Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish, which you normally wouldn't expect to see in a movie. Yeah. Uh, also Taylor Sheridan, not, 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 no, Ty Sheridan, excuse yeah, me. not Taylor Sheridan. Uh, yeah. he's a, he's a young actor that I think a lot, of, we're not even doing card counters, I don't know why I'm talking yeah. about this, but like, that's a, like a, oh, he's kind of leveling up as an actor to be in something like that, but, um, but also just his, again, he, the way he uses actor, like Cedric the Entertainer, yeah. and First yeah. Reformed, very, again, very apt, actually, and good, but very strange choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And don't, no, have no doubt, Dog Eat Dog is certainly full of strange choices. Yeah. And we're going to pick those. There's that one whole week. sequence of the guy running away mm-hmm. and the gunfire that's going on, and it shows where the bullet goes. And we'll talk all about oh, that. Right. But that, I think, just sums up the whole movie. But, I mean, he was the man, the king. <laughs> this is Kyle. This is Levi. Take care. God bless.